podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 356th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call, we have Andy Patterson and Gabe Lewis. Light panel so far, hoping for a few of the boys to join us later on. Maybe rapping Rob Kelly will rear his head, we'll dig him out of a field somewhere down in deepest, darkest Wexford. You can catch us, everybody. Don't forget on Mixer.com forward slash Boxing Asylum. You might be listening to us there right now, 8pm on Sundays. The Patreon RSS feed shortly after. It's then uploaded on Mondays to YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, somewhere else. Uh, Spotify as well, everybody. We're on Spotify now. So I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to us over there. Better late than never. Better late than never as well for Jason Rosario getting his world titles with a win over Julian Williams. I think we'll start there from the weekend. I know there are a few decent knockouts. Elidor Alvarez got one. We'll come to that later. Danny Garcia, always love his punch power. Talking about that later on as well. Value of the weeks, questions, comments, all those other lovely things. Let's start on the Lyacora Centre, Philadelphia then, Andy. Julian J-Rock Williams being knocked out in the fifth round by Jason Rosario. I don't take W's very often. This is a bit of a tentative one, but I'm going to take it anyway. Um, last week, or possibly before Christmas, when we mentioned this fight, I said to Gabe, I think it was, that I didn't fancy Rosario to beat Williams, but I knew he was strong, knew he could punch a bit, and I knew he would bring the action to J-Rock. And he would be a live challenger. Turned out he was indeed a very live challenger. And he got the win and he's walked away with the world titles. Yeah, I mean, it's what, about 19 days into the year. Definitely on the list immediately for upset of the year. Um, I agree with what Corrales was saying, actually, because I thought he was pretty much spot on. Um, sorry, no, Corrales. Rosario was spot on with his post-fight comments saying that basically the Williams felt the, the power pretty early doors. I think the, the, the main thing as well is he just basically had that having go against him. Williams, he had the cut across the left eye. He was really getting tuned up um, earlier on in that fight. And um, I think it was, was, it, was it round two he, he gets hurt and then I think he, he, he lands a right hand, full extension uh, on, on Rosario. And uh, the guy just swallowed it up and he just went right straight back to work with him, you know. So I think with the, the cut being hurt and then obviously landing his best shot and it didn't even budge the guy. I know he's got the immediate rematch clause and stuff like that, but um, I would I would stay away for that for maybe, you know, latter half of the year. Let that guy go and have a, a tune-up fight if he wants or another title fight and that, but he's, he has got an immediate rematch clause. Um, it's, it's looking like he's going to take it up early, but... Um, I just got this nagging doubt. I mean, I I know nothing about this guy. I know you've seen a wee bit of him, Steve. You know, honestly, this is my first time watching him, and uh, I was really impressed with him. Um, just just his ability to kind of heavy shots, just go to work early, and uh, just really kind of like, just wasn't he phased. And um, fair play to the guy. So I, I hope um, the rematch happens someday down the line in that. But um, I suppose you can run the risk of. Guy losing losing the belts and that, so I would I would think Williams would probably go for it go for it next. I think, especially the way he's talking anyway. But um, yeah, it was, I never saw that one coming. And, and as I say, honestly, I hadn't even seen the guy fight before that, so that was that was pretty much shock of the year for me so far. Oh, absolutely, shock of the year already. Um, Rosario had seen him fight against Mark Anthony Hernandez. That was on the Durrell Yildirim undercard, PBC undercard. Dropped Hernandez with a left hook. And then he finished him off and he just looked like a strong unit. And the fact he went to a split decision with Jorge Cota in his last fight didn't really bode well for him, Gabe. 
But in the end, he came to Williams and he gave it a right good go. Is the deal with Williams? Sometimes we rate boxers, we overrate them, we underrate them. Whenever he gets knocked out by Charlo or he gets the draw, he's a bomb possibly. Whenever he beats Hurd, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Is it just a case of styles make fights, you hit good form, it depends what you do on the night, it depends what your opponent does on the night. There's all these variables thrown in. Williams had an off night, Rosario was absolutely on it. Williams is just a good fighter. He's not crap, he's not brilliant. Sometimes he'll come in and upset the odds or put in an excellent performance and his game plan will work like it did against Jarrett Hurd and sometimes he'll come in he'll get busted up against the likes of Jason Rosario is he just is that just the way Julian Williams is Gabe well I mean I think if you look at it in in a certain lens he's gonna be a top-notch fighter if you look at him uh with you know negative eyes you're gonna see a bum and and I think it just really depends on who's looking and and what their frame of reference is. Um, you know, fr- from a neutral point of view, as neutral as I can get, uh, J. Rock Williams is uh, a good fighter. He is uh, not what I would call elite. When you when you say elite, you're talking about pound for pound guys. You're talking about guys that are that are that are. Regarded across the uh, sport of boxing as being the top of the top, the guys that make the biggest money, and he's not there. And I, I don't truly believe that he'll ever be there uh, because of his partial vulnerability and then partially because I, I just don't think he has the physical attributes to take him to that level. Um, he's definitely not a bum. I mean, he's won a world title, so and his record is not, you know, 47 and 386. Um, so he's definitely not a bum. He's definitely not elite. So he's a, he's a top-notch fighter. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to put anybody to a test or, or should and has the potential to um, win more world titles and to have a, a good career. And whenever his time is up, you know, I would suspect that we would that we would look back and say, Oh, J-Rock was a good fighter, had some good fights, had some bad fights. He's just kind of average in terms of those guys that win world titles, you know, not maybe a 15-year-long titleist. Um, but in the end, I mean, I thought he – I really suspected he was going to win. Um, I'd seen – I think the same fight that you were talking about uh, with Rosario, um, <clears throat> maybe one other one. It seems like I've seen him a couple of times – um, but I really didn't expect him to bring anything that was going to uh, really cause a whole lot of issues for him. And, um, you know, to me, it, it, it was a good uh, a good overall show from Rosario. And I would, I would enjoy seeing him again. Um, I think he should take the rematch. I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, he's got J-Rock Williams, that is, has, has the attitude of, of a champion. And of a guy that wants to test himself and, you know, um, put himself through the ringer and see what he's got. And I, I respect that. And I think that's a, a good quality to have. And, uh, you know, he got caught. Um, not sure if the cut caused any problems with him seeing the punch coming. But overall, I mean, I, I thought that he had the potential. And, and if he, you know, wouldn't have got clipped there, there's no telling what could have happened. I mean, it could have went on and he could have been the one sparking Rosario out. So, I guess really it could have gone either way, um, but uh, I thought it was a solid. I think it's actually the most solid fight of the evening um, out of everything that was on. 
just in terms of of all the other bots that we saw on the other two on or on the undercard of that one and the uh, ESPN card. Um, but uh, I, I have respect for both guys, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them go again because I think it could go the other way this next time. Yeah, the aforementioned uh, Jorge Cota was on the undercard knocking out Thomas Lamana in the fifth round. They'll no doubt reconstruct Cota, serve him up again. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Take Ames is in there. Arlene Burley, Mr. Dermo, MB, all the usual faces. Matt Russell. Tell me about the stoppage, Andy. I watched it. Uh, no, no, Hamid's off causing destruction and mayhem <laughs> somewhere somewhere else, I think. Anno- annoying other YouTubers, possibly. I know he listens every week. Shout out to Hamid, indeed, yes. Um, this, as for the stoppage, I was watching it on an international language feed, and my initial reaction was, you know what, Williams is getting battered here. And then the referee jumped in, and I thought, ooh, I thought the referee was going to give him another couple of punches here and then stop it. But you know what? I don't disagree with that stoppage. I think that was about right. He was getting beaten up, and he was on, his verge, on the verge of getting even more beaten up. He looked at his corner and he gave a look that said to me oh just i'm just i wasn't at the races here this isn't me you know no disputing of the stoppage is what i'm trying to say andy what do you think because apparently other people on social media thought it was maybe a touch premature i didn't get that impression no i didn't get that impression either mate it was it was a i think one of the mainstream ones that i saw was dougie fisher saying it was he was shocked that estevez jumped in early and stopped the fight i don't think it was an early stoppage i mean he was getting as you say getting trimmed um, I know you end up on the on the canvas, bef- uh, and it wasn't ruled a, a knockdown, obviously. But even at that point, you're saying to yourself, mm, you know, he's getting heavy weather for him now. And then as he got back up, he took his time to get back up actually. And then Rosario was just kind of go running about him again and uh, landed some really good. I think it was at least two or three solid good shots and stuff. And uh, I think the referee was was absolutely spot on because as I says, you know, there was. If you take uh, the other knockout uh, between Alvarez and uh, that other fight, um, I suppose erring aside of caution was probably the right thing to do. I mean, I, I know Americans love to see it all. We all, we all, we all want to see it. We all want to see a knockout and stuff like that. A guy kind of you know properly raced, especially if it's a close fight. But there was there was there was nothing in there was nothing in that fight last night. To me, Rosario was winning that fight out of the park and a uh, proper stoppage. I thought and. Uh, I just don't. I, I can't see the cries, or the you know. I can't even justify anybody saying that they thought that stoppage was was premature. Just I'm not having that. Gabe, not to labour the point, but I want to get your opinion on the stoppage based upon something Andy said there, which I also noticed. Do you think that it was playing on Benji Estevez's mind how long Williams took to get up from that non knockdown, as Andy mentioned, because he took absolutely ages. I'm not saying he was quitting or anything, but he looked like a guy who was hurt, looked like he couldn't stand up, even though it wasn't a knockdown. He looked like the referees obviously had a look at him, looked into his eyes, and says, "This kid's hurt here." That might have made him jump in a little bit sooner than necessary uh, or might have influenced his decision, perhaps, do you think? Um, it, it could have. It definitely could have. I thought he didn't get up because he was too fucked up to get up. Yeah. Um, I know Andy said that he thought he was taking his time. I, I thought he looked like, after that non-knockdown, that he physically was trying to get up and then realized, oh, shit, if I get up, I'm going to fall over and he's going to call the fight. And so he gave himself another second. I think his, um, uh, his mind was... Semi there still, because um, I think he was able to kind of think about it for a second, but it wasn't maybe the best uh, situation for him. So then whenever he gets up, I noticed uh, as soon as uh, Rosario starts coming towards him, his eyes just got as big as uh, just huge around, just really big around. I, I know you could see that he was trying to focus his eyes. Um, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm watching a fight, and I thought about this while while Andy was talking, and I remembered seeing that, 
Um, I try to look at their eyes if they'll give us a camera angle, obviously on television, um, and kind of see what their what their face looks like. And his eyes just got huge, and he saw him coming, and then uh, he got trapped in the corner, and his eyes got really big again. And you could tell he was trying to focus, but it just wasn't there. Um, I don't think that there was any need for him to continue on. Uh, for Estevez to to let that fight continue on, I thought it was a good stoppage. I thought it was completely uh, uh, called for because if he didn't, Rosario was going to hurt him and hurt him bad. And so, yeah, like Andy said, who doesn't want to see a, a total knockout? You know, who w- doesn't want to see it end in a KO instead of a TKO or referee stoppage? You know, I think that's pretty much every every combat sports fan, you know, and so I, I can't argue with that stoppage at all. I thought it was perfectly fine. And uh, uh, Dougie Fisher's a fuckhole too. Just so thought I might add that. No Dougie Fisher love here. Andy, 154, just mentioned it there in the chat briefly. Uh, strange division. A lot of fighters don't seem to be fighting each other at the moment. I know we have had sparse unifications and there seems to be good guys like his Soros, who's half decent. Eris Landilara's yeah. very good. Castaño's very good. Uh, Garcia's probably due a shot. Erickson Lubin's right back up in the rankings. We need to put them in line and knock them down like dominoes and let them sort this shit out. We don't want to see people just falling by the wayside. Let, let's make these fights. The PBC has most of them, so let's make them. Yeah, and plus the ones you've got coming up as well. Um, well, I just pulled up the rankings of this as you were talking about it, so... You've got Madrimov, uh, one of the Uzbeks we mentioned about. Um, you've got a Russian, uh, Zaylev. I think he's mm. next in line for the IBF, so it's maybe a route that a potential fight. I mean, you just need to kind of as well what Rosario's going to do. I mean, would, would he entertain vacating the title so he could, you know, trade under the you know the world title status and gain some paydays and stuff like that? Obviously, he's contractually obliged to, to to rematch Williams and stuff, but. Um, Carlos, you know, what's his name? Carlos Adams. He's he he fought that Patrick Dixera. Yeah, he got knocked out, didn't he? That was an he excellent fight, out. actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tony Harrison can probably come again and stuff. Uh, Eric Lubin, he's quietly been kind of rebuilding. Um, not that I've seen much of him recently, actually. Um, Jesse Vargas, I think he's you know fighting. He's fighting Garcia shortly. You know, also then you've got like Liam Smith and. Metcalf. I'm, I'm going to say he's in the IBF uh-huh. top ten there. Sam Eggington uh-huh. and JJ Metcalf. <laughs> But the other thing as well, uh, Tim Zhu, I think he's fighting uh, Jeff Horn uh, yeah. at some point. Uh, Mohamed Rabi is coming into the rankings and that as well. My guy for Germany, uh, Abbas Barrow. Um, the other one as well, obviously. Um, what was her name? I was just looking at there. Castaño. He's another one that seems to be kind of sitting on the on the sidelines waiting for a title fight as well. So, as you say, there is potential. And the king of the division, Eris Landy Lara. Eris Landy Lara, fuck's sake. <laughs> he's another one holding one of the fake belts and stuff as well <coughs> and obviously we've got we've got a very own anti Fowler coming up but it's, it's just a weird division all around the old belts are getting passed about and stuff you know upset with Hurd um, you know obviously Charlo getting beat off Harrison and then you know being such a, such a good rematch um, just, just noticing his rankings here and I see Kel Brooks ranked in the top 10 with WBC so uh, he's done pretty well for himself considering he's no fought in 18 months um, and you've got like trash like Jack Colkai and that as well. So, you know, there, there is talent there, but it is up at the top end. And um, when you get down to the challengers and the contenders and stuff, I don't think there's really much there. I mean, you could maybe look at Castaño, Harrison, probably. Um, I don't know about Vargas at this point at 154 and honest. I think he's a 147 fighter. Um, Barrow is really, really kind of 
he's a prospect at this point. He needs to be tested still. Um, Magomed Karbanov, um, I think he's still kind of working away. And obviously, I think if we're, if we're looking at um, the next champion coming up, I'm, I'm going to put some money on probably Israel Madrimov. He'll be the next one to pick up a world title belt. Whether it's against Alexa um, Rosario, Texera, but um, I think he might be maybe target like Soro or Lara next, I would think. It's, it's yeah, a good division all round, though, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Madrimov. He's he's very rough and ready, big puncher. He can clearly box, but he needs to implement a jab. I think he's hooked up with Robert Garcia, possibly, or a trainer of some repute. So hopefully they'll be able to stick a few fundamentals into him. And he's another one who's waiting around, as Andy said. These guys are doing all this waiting around. Castaño had an excellent fight last April against Erislandi Lara. Hasn't really done too much since. I think he knocked out someone recently... Um, it wasn't uh, uh, Meza Clay, it was somebody like that. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. But anyway, we need to see these guys fighting and active. We always say that. Before we go on to Chris Colbert, um, Gabe on the undercard. What about the Joey Spencer? 10 and 0, 19 years of age, former PBC prospect of Ooh. the year. Um, he was technically weighing in at middleweight, but I'd say he'd be able to slim down from 155 down to 154. Uh, going in against our man Eric Spring. I was hoping Hater Dave Loback would come on and give the lowdown on his old mate Eric Spring. It wasn't to be. A six round victory, 60 54 on all three cards. What do you think about Spencer? People tweeting out that he's not as good a prospect as Ryan Garcia. I thought that's a given. I'm not, I don't really rate Spencer too highly. What do you make of him, Gabe? I think he can. Make heads and tails out of it. You got to remember, he's only 19 years old, mm. so he's still mm. young. I don't know how long um, he's been boxing for. You know, it, it may or may not have been one of those childhood things. But I mean, certainly, whenever you look at him, uh, he doesn't appear to be um, green, uh, as green as 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 someone who maybe started at 16, 17, you know, 15 years old. So it looks like he's been in it for a while. Um, I think he's got a lot of the tools that one might look for to be successful. He's got uh, uh, pretty good foot speed uh, and and pretty quick guy with his hands. Uh, he seems like he should punch a little bit uh, harder than he does. Uh, his punches don't look like they're um, as powerful as they might appear from the way that he moves. So I think he may still have some development to do in the uh, area of power. Obviously, um, I think both he and Garcia have a whole lot to learn still uh, because Garcia has been one of those guys that, um, like Spencer at this point, uh, relies on their physical attributes. And they don't have a lot of the game of boxing necessarily completely figured out yet. Now, that's not to say that either one of them are trash. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I just feel like either of them have a, a long ways to go. Uh, Dan Goosen was on the card last night for the PBC. Um, and uh, he, um, Dan, Joe, fucking Dan. Uh, sorry about that, Joe. Uh, and he Don't think he Dan's going to be turning up anytime soon, Gabe, to be honest with you. Yeah, sorry about that, man. I didn't mean that one. Uh, uh, Joe was talking about how he kind of has the lack of ability to fight on the inside. And that was pretty apparent. Like he wouldn't um, kind of hold his ground and stay on the inside. And, and I think that's one thing that a lot of young fighters uh don't do because it's it's a hard skill you know you saw guys like james tony doing that kind of stuff and he was kind of maybe uh a little bit out of the ordinary um in terms of his abilities on the inside and uh and like i said it's just not a skill a lot of guys learn because i think it takes a lot of discipline to hang out inside there and be ready to you know use defensive skill 
as much as your offensive skill, which is 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 something that just a lot of young guys don't know how to do. Um, but I, I think he's got a long ways to go, and I think he has a lot of talent. I think he has a lot of the physical gifts. I mean, if I were uh, someone that was looking for a fighter to sign, or if I were looking for a fighter to train, that would be a guy. If nobody hadn't picked up already, that I would definitely go for because it seems like he has a lot of those good attributes physically. Uh, and he has some of the mental game. I mean, you can see some of it is already there. Uh, but but uh, the fight itself was not that fun to watch, to be honest with you. Um, I thought he w- spent too much time like trying to look quick and look fast and look sharp and look good and, and doing all these things that didn't really serve the fight. Uh, I think he could have done a lot more and gotten the guy out of there. Um, so to me, it just looked – it just wasn't appealing to the eye. Um, but again, you saw some of the things that he can do, which, you know, I think is, is partially what kept me watching the whole fight. But yeah, for the most part, it was not something I really enjoyed watching at all. Andy, a bit of a quiet week. So we're stretching this card out like a Devon Alexander anus onto Chris Colbert's fight against, uh, Jezreel, <laughs> Jezreel Corrales. Now just indulge me here. I know we all have a moan about these sanctioning bodies, but I'm struggling to get to the bottom of this WBA situation. Art, oh, is it no, super don't. featherweight? That's super featherweight, right? So Chris Colbert and Jezreel Corrales fought for the interim WBA world title. Now, Rene Alvarado, last I checked, beat Andrew Cancio for the actual title. So why do they need to bring an interim title in? I'm not sure. But anyway, Chris Colbert, he's a good prospect. Uh, Rob mentioned last week about him being related to B-Hop. Come up the hard way, 13 fights. This was his 14th. He's ranked number 38 in the world by Boxrec. Number 38. He isn't even on the first page. So why he's fighting for a world title of any description is beyond me. But there you go. Interim. So this uh, stupid WBA super title at Super Featherweight that Javonta Davis held was made vacant when he moved up in weight. That was won by Leo Santa Cruz in his last fight against Miguel Flores, even though... Santa Cruz moved up to that fight, and that was the first time he was fighting at Super Featherweight. He still managed to get the Super title, which, as far as I'm concerned, is when you unify titles. So you have one WBA and you win another one, you become the Super Champion. So he's moving up in weight and doing that, I don't know. He had unified before, but that was down at Featherweight. Plus, (laughs) bear with me, down at Featherweight, he unified his WBA title with a WBC Diamond title. So why the fuck is he unifying with that? But anyway, the point is, how is the interim... WBA, they've they've already got a regular title, they've already got a world title, they've already got a super champion. Why are we introducing an interim title for Colbert and Corrales to be contesting? Is this the point, Andy, where we need to start going back to calling these the Panamanians? Because this is this is yeah. pissing me off. I can, I think this all kind of stems back to the point when I think it was Santa Cruz, Mares, and was it Quella? Who's this Quella? I think it was. I don't mm. know. Um, it all stems back to then and mate listen I've just been having a debate with somebody on Twitter and that as well about um, the, the IBF second day weigh-in you know they say how it's it's been waived for when for factors like for unification fights or for unified title fights and then people are obviously arguing the, the fact is that you know, some, some fights are they recognised by like say sorry the secondary WBA title isn't recognised by other bodies so they didn't see it as a unification fight and somebody then mentions to me, I says, well, what about NUA uh, Denier? I say, well, so for some reason, Denier somehow became super champion when he beat uh, Ryan Burnett. I think he'd been upgraded to, to WBA super champion, so that's the reason mm-hmm. why um, the, the NUA Denier fight was classed as a, some sort of legitimate unification fight. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, we need to go back to Steve. I would like to do it maybe once a month, mate. 
Um, consider how many belts are on the line for these WBA fighters and stuff like that. Um, go back to WBA champion or serial killer. Um, <laughs> because, as you say, the belts are changing. I, I've never seen this Chris Colbert as well. Hey, I've mentioned that too. I, I want to go back and play that game again. That was fun as fuck. Yeah, we should do that, you know. Steve, get on it. I mean, the panel's demanding that. Like, I mean, come on. I just pulled up the rankings there again. So, right, we've got one champ at minimum weight. We've got, I think we've got three at junior flyweight. Um, that Dalla can at flyweight. He doesn't fight anybody. Um, so he's a bum. Um, we've got three at super flyweight. We've got Yafai, Alagon, and uh, Maloney. Um, who else we got? Inoue. Um Super bantamweight. We've got Roman Figueroa and Ronnie Rios. Remember him? Mm. No, uh, featherweight we just mentioned there. Santa Cruz, Kanzu, uh, and that Claudio Mero. It was Santa Cruz holding a belt up at 130 as well with Alvarado and now that Chris Colbert. We've got three uh, three titleists lightweights. So we've got Davis, so that's now vacant. Uh, Lomachenko and Ivan Mendy. Um, Josh Taylor, Mario Barrios, and uh, Luis Junior for uh, Junior uh, Welterweight. Manny Pacquiao, best Putin, and Virgil Ortiz. Welterweight, well, we had the, um, what's his name, Rosario, Lara, and Soro at 154. It's just, it's just fucking endless. You've got three champions at super middleweight: Callum Smith, Canelo, and uh, Lennox Allen. Don't know who the fuck is he. Never seen him. You've got two at light heavyweight. You've got three at cruiserweight, and then you've got three at heavyweight. You know, Manny Char's making a turn after like what two years out. You've got Trevor Bryan is the. But is he intercontinental or is he interim champion? I'm not too mm. sure. It's just it's just a mess, mate. I just listen to you there. You know, you're kind of shuddering at the fucking thought of these belts. I just don't know what to do over the whole thing. I know there's nothing we can do, but it's just a joke. I was going to tweet uh, Mendoza, but he probably wouldn't respond anyway. Is Alvarado even injured? Who knows? Why do they need an interim title when they have all these other titles? How can Santa Cruz move up, having unified under the premise of winning a WBC diamond belt, which isn't even yeah. a proper belt, just a bag of shit, and then he moves up to the weight for the first time and becomes super champion, which is supposed to be a unified... I mean, he's under some... You know, uh, Maybe he's got some kind of special privileges because yeah. he was a super champion at the weight below. They're just following the money. There's no... Rhyme or reason. This is the oldest belt in boxing. It's supposed to be the most prestigious belt yeah. in boxing. Hey, did, you, hey, did you mention the four champs at super middleweight? I did. I, I did. Yeah. I, was, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> I could keep up with you. I could <laughs> keep up with your list. Fucking <laughs> super, a world, an interim, and a gold. Jesus, come on. This shit is getting. I mean, you, you know, we used to bitch about it whenever they had a super and a regular. Now look at they got a fucking gold and an interim. Wait, what does the gold even stand for? Is that like a sub-interim? Is it an interim-interim? Well, I was going to say, right, I mean, you've got these fighters, right, you can understand an interim title if a fighter's injured or, you know, there's politics involved where he's, like, in dispute with his manager, for example, right? But Rene Alvarado only fought late November, hmm. right? So how the fuck's he classed as non-active? He's defended his belt. Well, did he regain the belt or something? Uh, he beat that Andrew Cancio. Who did he, 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 he's got a win over somebody. Cancio uh, beat I, Machado was, twice, then Alvarado. Was, but, but like you say, unless Ral, Alvarado is injured, but even if he is injured, it hasn't even gone past a three-month period yet. Exactly. So you're talking about, I mean, that's what, uh, what was that? 23rd of November, he last fought. Hmm. Right, so you, you come up to the two-month period, you would think, <laughs> you would think, you know, okay, you've got, you've got a month, six weeks, eight weeks to get a fight arranged. I mean, do you need much of a training camp? You know, I, I don't know, I suppose he will. But fuck it, come on! You know, as I say, he's an active champion. You know, by today's standards, and okay, they're not fighting every two, three weeks, not. But you know, these fighters generally fight every what three, four, five months tops. Six at an absolute push. 
Um, unless you're earning big money, but um, you know, as I say, you know, that, that guy fought twice last year. He's, he's, his last fight, uh, Rene Alvarado, his first fight last year, sorry, was the 26th of the 4th, 2019, right? So you would, th- you would, you would expect him to be fighting between what mid March, roughly about end of April. I think that's just roughly kind of you know what we expect for you. you know, just title holders, but fucking just regular fighters who are fighting 12 round fights or shared over 12 round fights. You fucking rat. Yeah, that's you, Mendoza. Back to the action, Gabe. Chris Colbert against Jezreel Corrales. Rough and tumble fight, dirty fight. Didn't really get your juices going. The referee had to work quite hard. Now, Colbert, he looked slick. First time I'd seen him. Fast hands, he can move a bit. But I felt that he just lacked that touch of power. I know he had a knockdown in the 11th round, but it was a bit of a spurious one. But that lack of power might make things difficult for him. Not against the Jezreel Corraleses of this world, but once he steps up to that top level, Gabe... Yeah, I think so. I, I think his power was, uh, if he's got it, it wasn't there last night. Um, so hopefully he can, you know, work on that a little bit more. I just, I, you, you know, you nailed it. And I, we talked about it before we started the show. Uh, I just didn't really like that fight. I mean, it was boring. It was sloppy. Uh, you had Corrales waiting to try to counterpunch the whole fight. And and uh, Colbert wasn't really... Uh, looking to lead too much in a lot of spots. He was just kind of hanging back. And they were both throwing jabs from too far out of range. I mean, nothing really was even close to landing. I don't know if maybe the second high, uh, second half was, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you liked it a lot better. I still didn't get much out of it. Um, but it may have been because the first half was so fucking shitty that I just didn't really uh, pay much attention to it after that point. Um, you know, I, I thought the fight was awful in terms of, competition neither guy was throwing a lot of punches neither guy was accurate with the punches they were throwing um and then towards the very end then it got going a little bit more and they were taking some chances but i mean for the most part it was trash and uh you know i don't chalk that up to uh both guys being shit fighters that's definitely not the case as far as i can tell uh i think it's more of a case of it was just a bad matchup more than anything uh you know with the matchup that we had going on there it was just two guys that, you know, just didn't put it together and didn't have a great show. Um, and and I, I think that happens. You know, it happens a lot more often than uh, than the opposite, where you put two guys in and they just have a tremendous, tremendous matchup. You know, sometimes it's just a matchmaking deal and, you know, go back to the old adage and, and all that other bullshit. But, um, you know, I mean, fair play. We got a clear winner out of it. Um, so that was good. Nobody fucked up the cards and screwed anybody over so that was good <laughs> you know overall it wasn't wasn't an enjoyable fight to watch for me but um you know i think it showed that that colbert uh colbert has uh, uh some uh learning to do some growing to do and, and some room to improve which is always a good sign um now if he'll just take lessons that he learned in that fight and put them to use i think he'll step up uh, another level and, and see where he can go and i think he's like you said steve he's going to be a guy that's going to be uh, more of a boxer than a boxer puncher or a big time hitter. Um, yeah, because that was a part missing from his game yesterday. So, uh, but overall, I mean, yeah, what do you say? Sometimes there's bad fights, sometimes there's good fights. Yep, that's the Colbert report from Gabe. Uh, keep an eye on him going forward. Uh, episode 356 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. Gabe, there, you heard from him, and he's with me, Steve. Rapping Rob Kelly is incoming. Are you ready, Rob? Are you hearing us? Ready to rumble this week? No signs of Chuck yet. Any signs of rapping Rob Kelly? He did make himself known about five minutes ago. Yo. Yes, Rob, how are you? Yep, what's the crack? 
Good, good, gentlemen. How is everybody? We're brilliant, Rob. We just finished talking about Colbert there, your man from last week. Did you see his fight against Corrales? Little B-Hop, now known as Primetime. I think I preferred Little B-Hop, to be honest with you. Primetime is a fucking awful nickname, isn't it? Primetime. Chris, <laughs> Primetime, Colbert. It doesn't even have a ring to it. Like, uh, I like Colbert. I like the. I like um, his style. And normally, a fellas with dyed hair and those fucking Jorge Paez shorts are an automatic... Um, Black market, my book, but he's um, he seems to be a good fighter. I think Colbert could have a little bit of dog in him as well. He's flashy as well as the fast hands, but he was digging him out. He was digging in last night. Actually, I was watching it. I had, had I got a good stream. I have this app that I use for streaming um, football, and sometimes it has Fox on it. So I had PBC on Fox, so I stuck it on. Kind of fell asleep after about four rounds though, because it was pretty late last night. So it wasn't you know really lighting the fire to stay up and watch it, but watch back the highlights then this morning. Um, he gets caught a bit. He's a bit susceptible. He has his head up in the air a little bit, but he's only young. Can't believe that fights for a world title. Like, I haven't seen any either of the two of them last night in against anybody. Mm. I think uh, Beltran, I think he has a win against a Beltran. Um, a UD win against Beltran Colbert. But um, look, he's a good little fighter. And he, it is the same kid that was in that Netflix stock. I think it's called Undisputed. Yeah. Um, so if you look at that, it gives some insight, good insight into his background as a fighter and what he's had to go through. He was there. Definitely a standout and well-known in the New York amateur scene. Um, but we haven't really heard of him on this side of the pond because he hasn't fought anybody yet. And it's, you know, so it's kind of the same situation with the PBC fighters. But I do like him. And it's another good fighter around that super fighter, or name at least now, a super fighter, um, that can match up kind of interestingly with somebody else up there. But I, I like him. I think it's, um, it's early doors for him. But... Um, he has he has a little bit of work to do. I think a fellow with a good Mexican style will give him a lot of problems. Might be able to overwhelm him, but he's willing to dig in and have a, have a fight. Um, and he throws a lot of punches. He's exciting, but the fucking purple hair can go for me, man. If he gets rid of the Cisco haircut, he'll go up even more. Um, well, Rob, Rob, then, this is what I was going to say to you before we brought you on to Julian Williams. A couple of points that you raised there. First of all, stylistically and power-wise, maybe comparisons to someone like a Tevin Farmer. And secondly, do you think that people have to mm. earn shorts like that? I don't like to see people on the way up wearing those type of snazzy shorts. Yeah, I think Broner ruined those shorts for a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? So those shorts used to be a lot more acceptable back in the 80s. A lot of people had them, the kind of gladiator-type shorts when Paez was, was uh, kind of, and Camacho. Where, but yeah, like like I said, you're you're dead right. Like you said, rather, you're dead right. You earn that kind of right to do that kind of thing because if you come with a flashy appearance and then you're not able to back it up, then people just kind of automatically write you off. Whereas if you're somebody Hector Camacho level, you can get away with that because your talent is going to see you through. When people are, it's kind of like the trash thing, isn't it? Like you get away with it. If, Just just slightly losing you, Rob. Do you want to wave the old TV aerial in the air a little bit and see if you can if we can catch her? Just hearing random noises from Rob Kelly here in the main streets out in the fields. Muted himself. That's a good sign or a bad sign, who knows? Do you want to try again there, Rob? I was just moving in and out of range there from the wife. I was leaving a gaff there, so um can you hear me oh, now, yeah? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at, when I'm looking at these fighters, I'm looking to see who's going to be, you know, the next star or a, a potential next star in the sport. Um, I don't know if Colbert's that, like, but he's definitely exciting to watch. Um, give him, I'd like to see him in against a, an opponent that's going to come to win a little bit more um, and see what that offers him. But I can't, he's, is that, was that a world title last night, yeah? Interim, yeah. 
interim world title. Yeah, yeah. So he's there with a target on his back now, isn't he? At one thirty. So we're gonna we're gonna see him who he fights on PBC. I don't know what other one thirty fighters they have there, or what the cross promotion connotations are, because it's so hard to keep up. But um, I definitely watch him again. What about the main event, Rob? We were talking about the stoppage, a few people disputing it, but we felt that Jason Rosario was a well-worthy winner over Williams. Oh, a million percent. Rosario was thrown out right-hand perfectly. Um, the counter-right-hand, it was actually... He surprised me. I hadn't seen him before, so I was expecting it. I thought that was kind of a gamey for Williams. Um, well, they fuck around and get a, a, an opponent that's more known. Um, but Rosario wasn't sticking to the script. He was going to take it, and he was timing that right-hand absolutely beautifully against Williams um, and when he got him hurt he didn't let him off the hook I have no complaints with the stoppage no what the fuck the fellas want Like, do you want to be, he wasn't throwing back you know if you're not throwing back and your hands are down by your side the referee's going to jump in and stop the fight simple as that fighters know that they're giving their instructions beforehand you know a guy like Williams has enough experience as well to know that if you're not throwing back the ref, you're giving the ref no choice but to stop it but um I thought that was a safe enough stoppage by the ref. I wouldn't have had any problems with it, to be honest with you. And good for Rosario. You know, I like to see. I think what was he thirty? Some people are saying he's thirty-three to one underdog or something last night. Mm-hmm. That's big odds in a two-horse race. You know what I mean? So fair play to him. He went in there and he got the job done. And uh, he's put himself in the, in the in line now for a couple of big money fights. That's what you like to see as well. Like it's like to see a guy get his opportunity, not be the favorite fighter, and throw the fucking script out the window. Because he he wasn't letting Williams off the hook last night when he got him hurt, and like I said, that the timing of that right hand counter was absolutely sharp all night. So, bit disappointed from Williams to be honest with you. I expected better from him, but maybe Rosario's the real deal. We just haven't seen him. You know what I mean? Who knows? Hundred percent correct. Rosario took his opportunity. Got a couple of belts now. Maybe we'll see them in a rematch if he does. Hopefully, he gets handsomely paid. He's going to be a tough out for anybody, as Rob says. That guy. Maybe unifications could be the next Julius in Dongo, but he looks like he has that toughness about him. He can go rounds. He can go the distance. Only the one loss and the one draw on his slate. Gabe's out there having a slash somewhere. Welcome to everybody in the chat again. A few more voices have joined us. Only the seventeen thousand in the chat there, trying to keep up with you all, chatting away. No sign of Jason Chukwu just yet. We'll let you know if Chukwu appears. As always, Andy, don't worry about Chuk. <laughs> don't worry. Didn't play that one. Don't worry about Chukwu, Andy. What about Germany? Uh, I don't know how much of this card you saw, but some great titles on the line. The vacant WBC Youth World Heavyweight title was there. The vacant German International BDB Cruiserweight title was on the line as well. And then the main event, we always love an IBO title, World Championship Welterweight title of the IBO variety, Sebastian Formella, 22-0 now. Beat Roberto Ariazza. Formella could be one to keep an eye on. You kept an eye on the undercard more than the main event, possibly. Yeah, I've not, not seen the video of the main event kicking about that I was told that it was a pretty average fight, shall we say. Um, Roman Frez against that Matteo Rodono, that was that, that German title, um, average. Uh, Ali and Demerezian, I think he lost to FIA Jagba, I think it was in his last fight. Um, yep. He kind of plodded away and you know, don't be had to do, I suppose. Um, Peter Cadreo, who was one I've been kind of keeping an eye on and stuff, um, Okay, the, the, the opponent isn't he fantastic, for example, but I would say he has been working uh, with his right uppercut, but I would like to see him stop, try to do it as a lead punch, because uh, something a bit more kind of talented, you know, certainly quicker hands, that could counter him with a left hook, and we just don't know how that chin's going to hold up at the minute, but baby steps with him at the minute, I think that was his 6th or 7th pro fight still, so... Uh, he's on the, the title ladders, youth heavyweight titles, whatever we want to call it, but um, 
Yeah, it was a decent performance, but um, still going to be a work in progress. I, I don't know where his ceilings are, but I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think his gas tank's going to be all that great. But um, we'll, we'll know once we get to kind of 10, 12 rounds and they get stiffer opposition and stuff like that. But um, I'm liking what I'm seeing at the minute. Still a work in progress, as I say. And he's, as I say, there's, there's going to be no rush for him as well. I think he's only 20, 21 or something. So, um, you know, there's plenty of time for him to kind of come up through the ranks and stuff. But... Uh, just gradually kind of pick him up and they uh, get him into kind of longer fights and they see how he holds up and stuff like that. But um, at the minute, the signs are looking good. Absolutely, one to keep the eye on. Um, just this afternoon, there was a fight in the UK. Joe Gallagher, M22 Promotions, a big promoter is Joe, getting his hands stuck in. Was hoping to have Ozzy on tonight. Unfortunately, he's on his deathbed. Hopefully, he'll be back with us again shortly. Uh, Mark Jeffers, 10-0 on that card, won the vacant central area super middleweight title. Marcus Morrison got a win as well over six rounds. A couple of other lower-level guys. And Dion Juma, could be one to keep an eye on now. Up at Cruiserweight, he had a stint out with the Sauerlands in Germany. He's 13-0, defeated Sam Hyde over 12 rounds for the English Cruiserweight title. Hyde, was his only other defeat was to Richard Riakpour, so he was a decent fighter. And the fact Juma's beat him might uh, indicate that there's going to be a bit more life in his career yet. Dion Juma, one to keep an eye on as well. Uh, Rob, I don't know how much you saw of this USA ESPN Plus card over in Verona, New York. It was a classic Bob Arum filling the the time sort of card. He was putting guys in who you might see in the future, getting little wins here and there. People like Jonathan Guzman, former super bantamweight champion, who once infamously left all his cash in in a hold all and ended up in the bottom of the plane, I think, after he was in Japan, after he won his title. Hopefully he'll get a few quid for knocking out Rodolfo Montoya in the third round, Devin Vargas as well up at heavyweight. These are all guys that are getting victories, a couple of victories, and then they'll throw them in against opponents. Christopher Diaz saw him before losing to Shakur Stevenson and Felix Vadeo, but the main one, was Eladair Alvarez against Michael Seals. Now, if this was a fight, Rob, where you could have got away, we just see in the end, this was the one. Six rounds of absolute nothing. Into the seventh, Eladair Alvarez, bang on the chin of Michael Seals. Knocked him out, won the vacant WBO. Intercontinental title. Alvarez, good win for him. Back to the drawing board for Seals, who's 37. He'll probably jack it in, to be honest. But Alvarez, this will possibly get him another opportunity at the top table, another world title shot. Well, that card was stinking, by the way. No point saying anything. On it. <laughs> no point saying anything else. That card is abominable. How are they putting that on the fucking telly? Oh my god! Alina Alvarez is the fucking main event. Now, granted, they get away with it because of the spectacular knockout. But uh, I think the less said about that card, the better. Steve, to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, Alvarez can go back in at one seventy-five. Put himself in the table. He's not elite. He he put himself in the mix rather. He's not an, an elite fighter, um, but he can certainly punch. Um, so he's going to be excited. Actually, put stick him in with Joe Smith. We see the two of them. See who see who knocks who out first. That might be a good one. Um, but yeah, that card was dross, wasn't it? Shite like. Absolute dross indeed, Andy. Apart from the ending, as we mentioned there, Michael Seals. I remember his fight against former pod guest Edwin Rodriguez, real up and down three-rounder. The guy Seals can clearly punch. He has a good jab on him as well, but he wasn't really doing a hell of a lot. He said yeah. he's from Alabama. I wanted to appear on the undercard of Deontay Wilder, but he was brought in as fodder here for Alvarez to get a win, get back on the title trail. First of all, before we look at Alvarez's options moving forward, tell me about the knockout. The right hand was just bang, early contender for knockout of the year. Yeah, Jim, what they've been proud of that shot, bang on the chin, you know. Um, basically, he just folded the guy's legs in different directions and stuff. And uh, I, actually, I was actually feeding the lad at the time, actually, as, as a shot landed. I was watching it on, uh, on rerun, and uh, I thought, oh, you fucker. You know, and then obviously, like the, the whip blash off the bottom rope. And if you've seen it in slow motion, uh, you know, the kind of 
we see him lying against the ropes. He was sleeping for a good five seconds and stuff, just lying there. Um, I did read some comments that saying that Alvarez has been working on that right hand as well. It was the right hand that kind of really banged up Kovalev, if I can remember rightly as well, um, when he went to go and stop him and stuff. As for his options and that, um, mm, I don't know at the minute actually, because obviously we've got the situation was that um, Baterbiev's fighting, he's got his he's got his mandatory with the Chinese fella. Yeah. Um, so. That was just when Rob was talking about the TV deal and that, that was on ESPN, was it not? ESPN that, Plus, yeah. So is he, be, is he be top rank? No, I think he's part of the Yvonne Michelle group and he's fought on top rank before, hasn't he, with the Kovalev and all that. So I think they're just sort of drafting him in, using him. It, it's to their advantage to be, you know, yeah. associated with top rank, I suppose, isn't it, for the likes of Michelle? Yeah. Again, I suppose it would depend what route he's wanting to go down, you know, what title route and stuff. I mean, obviously, if he's wanting a belt quick, then the, the Panamanian is, is, a, is a route to go down and stuff. But um, <laughs> what is he now, Alvarez? He must be about... Remember, he, he passed up in a, a, a numerous title fights and that as well. Oh, uh, when Stevenson was the champion. That's right, ah, yeah. Remember, did, that, yeah. that fight kept getting delayed for some reason. Yeah. And I think he kept taking step aside money and that. But what is he? He must be, th- what, 35. He's 35. Hmm. Well, obviously got the vacant WBO title and that, but obviously like Ramirez is probably going to get a shot at it. I didn't even know if if uh, Alvarez is even ranked with that lot. Um, I dare say he probably is, but um, isn't Ramirez supposed to be leaving top rank? I heard Andy. He's had enough, hasn't he? He's trying to get his contract cancelled. See, see, Marky, Mikey Garcia, for some <laughs> insight onto how to get that done, because you know what Bob's like. He won't let him go easily. Well, I may need to sit with the best party. Well, he must be. What, he must be mid to late 20s now so he must be mm. kind of close to his peak if you ever seen his peak Christ I mean, as I say to you guys a couple of weeks back I think the last time I saw that guy fight genuinely was the Arthur Abraham fight which is what I must be going back what, four or five years yeah. you know, I've got zero zero regard for this guy's career um, I'm not aware of his situation about wanting to leave top rank and stuff like that but um, as I say he's um, I think he said earlier in the year that he was trying to get that title fight and stuff, but he's I just pulled it up there, mate. Apparently he's saying here that he's looking to buy out his contract. Right. Um saying obviously Benny Figures mentioned and stuff, but uh, I think it was Coppinger that been mentioning it here. But uh, there's no direct quotes and stuff, so wherever uh, Coppinger's got it, um I think he's even been forced to make a attraction as well uh, Coppinger so that's just just say there's nothing really concrete at the minute it just seems to be speculation that he's wanting to buy out his deal but where the fuck's he going to go to you know I'm trying to think at light heavyweight who's PBC got I mean Benavidez they could pick him up and make an all Mexican type of unification if um, Ramirez can get hold of a title I suppose has he got a title I can't even remember has he I don't think so but the other thing I was going to say as well what does he want to do is he want to become a promotional free agent and hopefully fight I don't know, say Joshua Boatze for big money because Eddie Hearn's going to be out with this the zone deal, which seems to be, you know, for the money that the zone's been paying out, you know, now they're talking about price increases and that as well. I just think mm-hmm. they they again have shot their boat with the amount of money they've spent. And where's, where's the return on it? It's two and a half year deal now that's been going on now. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think we're through the ceiling now with these stupid massive paydays and that. I mean, unless you like so Canelo, for example, I still I still think that the, the the money that Golovkin got is was vastly vastly overpaid for Golovkin at this point. It's just what was a hundred million for how many fights at this point in his career? You know, Eddie Hearn's going to put he's want he's want to sign the Charlos, Garcia, Spence. 
Well, they, they uh, fucked up, didn't they, Andy? Sorry to interrupt you with the Golovkin situation because they overpaid him vastly on the pretense that they were going to get the Alvarez fight. Yeah. And Alvarez turned around and said, there's nothing contractually making me fight you. And this is why you need boxing people at the top. You know, no disrespect to these guys like Skipper and isn't it Markovsky or something. You need good yeah. boxing heads at the top of these organisations to look at these contracts inside and out. I mean, we all shit on the likes of Steven Espinosa. Guy knows the boxing game inside and out. And my old mate, here he goes again, Al Heyman. These people have been around the game. They have these things gone through with a fine tooth comb Canelo turned yep. around and says you can't make me fight anybody I, I'll choose or I'll fight and the proof's in the pudding do you think there's going to be a third Golovkin fight looks unlikely at the moment and they can't force his hand sorry to interrupt you no you're, you're fucking me I just I just I like to know what the end game is obviously you know, they want to get more subs- subscriptions That's, that goes without saying I just if you look at it it's just as I say the money that they're, they're clearly just kind of going out with all the time it's just they've, they've overpaid on maybe three or four fighters by a shit ton um, and it just seems to be new it's like everything else it's like when, when the country goes down the fucking pan right we're in recession so who gets hit the fucking taxpayer well in this case it's the fans because as I understand it was, was it $10 a month now they're trying they try to say that um, yeah, I think uh, what was it $50 a month um, for a fight or to make the annual pass available at £8.33 Per month, so mm. it was an increase in stuff like that. I, I can't mind that, the exact figures. So to me, it just sounds like they're, they're again they've, they've shot their bolt. They're just way, way overpaying guys, and it's just getting to the point now. Whereas they're going to need something, uh, something ridiculous, hundreds, of thousands, eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand, maybe a million subscribers to try to start trying to claw some of that money back. You know, there's like you know, Joshua apparently is on that was one hundred twenty-five million dollars with the zone. You know, Canelo on three hundred and sixty odd million. And as I say, well, Golovkin was rumoured to be a hundred million, but you know, eight figures apparently. That was that was definitely quoted, you know. So you're talking the best part of there. What? How much they've done so far? You know, maybe over two hundred million, say, give or take the amount of money that they've paid out. You add in, you know, whatever they pay out so far. I just think it's absolutely crazy the amount of money that they're spending at the minute. And uh, this is probably kind of like tied to the fact that they're trying to increase the prices, and it's. Try, I say recoup some of the losses and stuff like that because it says the big fights are not happening. You know the Joshua fight. Obviously, I think I don't know if that was in pay per view in America or in the zone or whatever it was, but you know, they must have fucking lost. You know, big on the uh, on that fight as well with Joshua losing against the uh, Ruiz. Maybe no, um, but then I suppose it's like everything else. Canelo was like Golden Boy's main business. You know, keeping them afloat. It's maybe Canelo's keeping them afloat at the minute. You never know. It's difficult because obviously nobody likes pay-per-view in theory, but people, when they come to cash in out, it's a model that's worked. They build up to these pay-per-views and that's where they make their money with zone. It's like preaching to the choir. They're all involved in this little bubble and who's actually sitting and watching the fight? So they're bringing in new subscribers. They're trying to get YouTubers on there to bring in new subscribers. Any of these hardcores or whatever will already be subscribed. I'm no business expert, but I just don't see how it's going to work, how it's going to sustain. And I think a lot of people are just looking to get their piece of the pie now and just going to run away from the bakery as quick as they can whenever this shits hits the fan because you likes a Blavadnik I don't think he's even involved anymore but whoever's pumping money into it are going to run for the hills once it starts to they start to realise it's not a viable proposition so there's a bit of doom mongering for you on a Sunday evening episode 356 Gabe lighten the mood a bit shall you uh, Elador Alvarez against Michael Seals one thing I like about Michael Seals is that he gets knocked out well we all like a knockout puncher someone who blasts <laughs> someone but Seals 
he gets knocked out well. He, he doesn't do things by halves. When he gets knocked out, he makes sure he goes the hell down. He's like Amir Khan. He gets knocked out well as well, doesn't he? You know, the arms going all over the place. He hits that bottom rope, and you generally fear for seals. He makes sure when he gets knocked out, you know that he's gone and he ain't coming back. <laughs> You've seen his spirit lifting for his body, man. You saw him lying there, eh? You are fucked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose so. It was a good knockout. That was obviously... Uh, not got another year so far. I think uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I might have missed something else somewhere on some you know hard to find card somewhere. But that was a pretty good fucking knockout. And uh, you know the fight up until that point wasn't. Um, well, I didn't think it was all that riveting. Uh, it wasn't really a, a, a big thrilling fight. It, it, you could tell <clears throat> at some point that you felt like something might happen the whole time. Uh, but whenever it did, finally, thank God, happened. Uh, it, it was really fucking beautiful. Um, you know, I really didn't. I, I really uh, kind of thought, oh, wow. You know, at first, whenever I saw the punch land, I kind of thought, oh, well, he's, you know, you obviously you see him going down. I think, oh, he's going down. And then his legs did that fucking uh, stiff thing. You know, his legs went stiff, like, and his and his arms went stiff. And the Viagra uh, dance. <laughs> the Viagra it, it really dance. didn't work. It, yeah, it, it didn't really look in real time like it was that devastating of a of a punch. I mean, yeah, it was a hard, solid, really good, clean punch. Um, but I mean, I I didn't expect it to have the impact quite that it did right off the bat. So, uh, but then you know, you like you said, the way he hit the rope, you know, you knew, oh, he's not getting up. And uh, he did get up a few minutes later, or a few seconds later, and he was pretty pissed too uh it looked like but I, I thought it was good i mean i i really enjoyed that ending um doug, doug fisher thought it was an early stoppage like <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure someone out there has something to say about that couldn't let it go on for four more rounds um no i mean i you know that that whole card i or well i don't, I don't think even i saw some of the undercard stuff that might have been on um but uh that main event and the uh Colbert fight, um, you know, wasn't really a thrilling night, but I, I thought the finish was good, and sometimes that can be enough to save it. Yeah, if you're going to get knocked out, get knocked out in style. Uh, Rob, <clears throat> I was going to ask Gabe this, but I thought I'd come to you. Uh, I didn't see the Felix Vadeo fight on the undercard. I've probably written his career off. I know he likes a bit of a party. We wondered whether he was going to be the next Felix Trinidad. Looks like he could be the next Juan Mar Lopez. But you know what? He got another win. And the kid's only 26, he can punch, so I think there's probably time, as Bob Arum knows, to resurrect his career, chief support last night, they can maybe do something with him, put him in as an opponent, if nothing else. Yeah, I didn't see it either, um, but yeah, he's um, he was instrumental in his own downfall, as Bill O'Hurley used to say, um, a great Irish football commentator. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't like turning up for training and stuff, doesn't he not? Like, so... Really, with fellas like that, unless they make major adjustments and stick to them, it's gonna it's gonna come out. It's gonna manifest itself somewhere down the line in their career, because you know the age old adage that the guru loves: you don't play, and you definitely don't play boxing. So you have to be dedicated. I mean, that's the some fellas that get by on athletic ability. Some fellas get by on a punch, but eventually, if you're not dedicated, it's gonna come out in the wash. So it remains to be seen whether he's on track or not, how good he can be. With fellas like that, if they lack the discipline at certain stages of their career, it's very difficult to get it back. I think um, it doesn't happen that often. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, it goes the other way. Like so, 
be interesting to see, but um, yeah, I think you're right. He could he could probably cause some upsets as well as an opponent, depending on his mindset, because um, he certainly has some talent. Um, he looks good, but you know, just what we're saying. Like we're seeing it all the time in the sport. I don't know if fellas get paid too much money or coming from nothing and then having money and not knowing what to do with it or just being naturally. What well, I think you have to be a little bit mad to be a fighter anyway. You know what I mean. So some of them are finding it hard to adjust to the party, but you're seeing it more and more. Like if the stories are true about Javante, if the stories are true about Errol Spence, Verdejo, Chavez Jr., we see it. Like we're seeing it all the time with fighters getting paid so much money that they're acting out uh, during their professional career. It's not the way to do it. So yeah, uh, we'll have to time will tell on that one. Yep, if you're going to act out to do it after your career's finished, wise words from Rappin' Rob Kelly there. Shout out to the guys joining us in the chat. Mark Boxio has joined. The mixer.com forward that's what that's what I will chat. give some credit to. Yep. Sorry, Steve. I will okay. give some credit. I don't give a lot of credit to Joe Calzaghi, but I will give him credit for that. Like at least when he started snorting snorting the fucking chat chat, he was uh he was retired. You know what I mean? Same with Ricky, like even though Ricky liked to drink in beforehand, but at least when they got busted with the coke and all that, it was in the it wasn't in the middle of their career, you know what I mean? So credit to Calzaghi for that one. Well said, Rob. If you're going to snort the coke, make sure it's your career. <laughs> Kiss the muscles. Uh, Tosh is in the chat as well. Good evening to you, Tosh. Gabe, first question coming in here. Patreon.com forward slash Boxing Asylum. Matt Dobson is talking a lot about Alexander Usyk lately. He's asking you, Gabe, seeing how Deontay Wilder basically weighs in as a cruiserweight, him versus Alexander Usyk is a great potential matchup. Now, Matt says, I'd take Usyk. I'd bet big on it as well. No disrespect to Wilder, who's game and a KO machine, but Usyk is a rare talent, I believe, Gabe. So what do you think? A slim down Wilder going in against Usyk at heavyweight. Who do you fancy? Matt is going in big on Alexander Usyk. Ooh, that's a that's a fun one. Uh, man, I don't know. I, gee whiz, that's a tough one. Uh, just because I think more so because of uh, the fact that, you know, this is a classic style matchup. This is one of those intriguing uh, matchups that if it were ever made, I think you'd see a lot of people split on it. Just like I, as soon as I heard the question, I knew where he was going. And and I'm split on this one. Uh, half of me wants to say Usyk, uh, but the other half, I don't know that he's going to be able to uh, be slick enough to avoid getting smashed. And I, I think my thought on this one is if, if he uh, gets hit on this one, he's going out worse than anybody else um, just because of his size in general. Uh, maybe not being able to take a punch is good. From a from a puncher like Wilder, I mean that's kind of like saying, you know, you can't take a kick from a horse in the jaw. I, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I guess I got to answer. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Wilder. I'm gonna go with Wilder on this one, just because we haven't seen Usyk in with a monstrous puncher at heavyweight yet. Uh, we feel like he's gonna be pretty good. Um. And I do love his boxing skills, but I just don't think he avoids getting smashed on at least one time. And if I, I feel like if he does, he's going out like a sack of taters. Andy, continuing on an Alexander Usyk theme, going back down to Cruiserweight briefly, Matt Dobson continues, Evander Holyfield was an absolute legend. However, Olympic gold and then cleaned out the Cruiserweight division, away from home no less. Is Usyk the greatest Cruiserweight of all time? And does his upcoming heavyweight stint affect that? I can see him beating most of the heavyweights, bar the giant of Tyson Fury. So, was he saying that uh, Usyk's a... Usyk's career, 
Cruiserweight is of, far better than... Yeah, a couple of points, Andy. First of all, he's saying that even though Holyfield was a legend, he feels that U6's career at Cruiserweight is better. And he's and uh, is he? Is there an argument that he's the greatest Cruiserweight of all time? He then goes on to say he can see Usyk doing big things at heavyweight, beating most of them, except for Fury. So you can split those into two points, uh, parts, if you wish. Um, I would need to go back and think about Holyfield's career at Cruiserweight, but at that time it was it was still a very young division, shall I say? Um, no many, you know, true champions. I think we can go back to who was the guy that recently died there, Carlos De Leon. Um, mm. I think it goes back to roughly about his time, which was be what mid eighties, I think it was. Um, if you look at it on the whole, I think you could maybe say. Um, use its career at the weight is probably stronger um, but you still look at like, so these, his wins for example against Cal Wee, uh, especially the first fight was absolutely fantastic Henry Tillman um, and Ozzy Ocasio Eddie, I, I love that first fight that first fight still is yeah. just brilliant I think that's that's that's, that's the three fights I can mainly remember at Holyfields and stuff but then if you look at Music in that as well. He's got Hunter, who's had a wee bit of resurgence there at heavyweight. Matunu's just done the business there against Lebedev. Um, Huck was obviously a long-standing champion, but that was tournament business. Uh, Bredis was 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 a was a top one. He was like top three in the division, I think, at that point. Uh, Gazaev was one against two, so you know we've actually got to say, you know, probably Music's run at cruiserweight, considering that he's been away from home from for every fight. Um, you know, I'm not taking his amateur stuff into, into account at the minute, but um, I just think on a professional basis, I think especially his run as Titleist, uh, then up through the WBSS, probably just shades music for me as probably you know maybe being the the greatest cruiserweight. Um, but I think if you, if you just take the run into account, as I say, he's going, going away from home each fight, um, and, and winning emphatically. Actually, I mean that I, I was I was nervous as fuck for that Gazette fight, thinking it was going to be an absolute. You know, bang fest. You know, Gazev was going to get in there and he was going to cause some problems to to use it and that. But as it turned out, he got absolutely schooled, and that to me always gave me kind of pause to think as to how he would basically been you know got to heavyweight and stuff. And as long as he stays injury injury free, I think he's going to cause havoc. Actually, might not be able to kind of knock guys out and stuff, but we'll wait and see. It just, it just takes one punch, and he does seem pretty solid himself. But. Mm, we wait and see how it goes. I says we want to see him in with, with other heavyweights and that. But at the minute, I'll probably just shade Usyk as probably the, you know, the better uh, cruiserweight of all time. I agree, Rob. I don't know how you stand on it. I wasn't around for Holyfield's cruiserweight reign, so I'm only going back to look at the fights. You know, the guys against Carwee when he won the title, unified against uh, Parky. You've got uh, Carlos De Leon. Excellent wins. I would probably just about shade it to Usyk myself. What do you think? Oh, as the greatest cruiserweight, I think, I think Holyfield, man. I think Holyfield. I think there's no, there's little between their achievements. Holyfield gold medalist as well. Um, you know, fought in a greater era, definitely. Probably more talent in the division, the cruiserweight division, maybe nowadays. But Holyfield, in terms of, if you're just talking, obviously, if you're just talking cruiserweights, it's a tougher call. But I think Holyfield would shade it for me. Um, Usyk. Uh, great fighter, great modern day fighter. How good he can become at heavyweight remains to be seen. But what Holyfield did at heavyweight was unbelievable. Probably jokes to the gills, was he at certain stages of his career? Certainly, allegations are very heavy um, towards the end of his career at heavyweight that he might have been using. But 
um, the fights he was involved in and stuff over the years, I think make him an automatic legend. And it's hard to argue against him. I mean, if you you kind of have to look at how they fare against each other, if you, because there's that little between the two of them, and I probably give Holyfield the edge there. Like, but um, two two very good fighters, one great fighter. Yeah, All time great to be by that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot between them. We'll see how Usyk gets on up at heavyweight, but I would probably just shade him. But there's, I mean, you're talking a nuts cock between the two of them. I think Holyfield is excellent as well. Well, like I say, I wasn't around in that era, so I'm only looking back on this now. And then what he achieved as heavyweight as well. Superb fighter, just slightly Usyk for me. Guys in the chat are chatting away there. Tosh has said, uh, this is back to Usyk against Deontay Wilder. Uh, Usyk would absolutely clown and embarrass him, wouldn't land a glove on him. Mark Boxio says, Gassiev was a great win. Usyk schooled him. Uh, going in, I gave Gassiev a real chance after his KO of Dortico. Yep, I agree. Uh, no David Hay, anyway. I also mentioned there that Juan Carlos Gomez is someone who often gets overlooked. Now, I'm not saying he's on the level of Usyk and Holyfield. He doesn't have the names on his record, but he made about 12 defences of WBC title. So when people start going down the list and they go to people like David Hay, Gomez is right up there uh, as a great cruiserweight. had a good career up at heavyweight as well. Fought the likes of Sinan Samuel Sam. Uh, Tosh is talking about the sizes of the heavyweights as well. I think Hay was a brilliant cruiserweight, but I think yeah. his career at, at heavyweight is an absolute myth. An absolute myth. That big, what was the name of that big guy he beat? The big value was it? Value of, uh... the, the People forget that the WBA, where we're on Holyfield, like the WBA, crooked as they are, had to hold an investigation into the result when Value fought Holyfield, because Holyfield beat the shit out of him and he's 150 years of age. So. David Hay, I didn't think he won that fight. I thought it was a very close fight. And the BBC, I remember, was following. I was following. I was at a wedding, so I was following the comment commentary back in the BlackBerry days on BBC text to see. And they all thought he lost the fight. So I think, and then his resume after that beats John Ruiz. What is John Ruiz like? Fucking, you know, really? Who's he knocked out? Like Derek Chisora, that Tyson Fury had already beaten twice. I think his career at heavyweight is an absolute mid like. Rob, you, you you thought Hay lost to Valuev? Well, I was tight. I don't think I don't think he definitively definitively beat him. And even if he did, Valuev was tight. Well, the point I'm trying to make is I don't think Valuev was any good, big as he was. Holyfield had schooled him, and Holyfield was nearly fifty a couple uh, six months beforehand. And the result was so bad that the WBA held it. Uh, so any tight decision was going to go against Valuev after the after the the investigation and all that. Oh, Hay was very lucky to get the decision that night. And I think his career at heavyweight was a myth. Could be contentious. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, what I mean, look, it's a light enough week. What what are the what do you guys think about him as a heavyweight? Oh, I thought he was fucking terrible, to be honest with you. I mean, look, I, I like David Hay as a cruiserweight. Uh, I, you know, and whenever he moved up, there was a sense of excitement. At least for me, um, you know, that was back in the forum days. And so we used to chat about all kinds of shit back then. Um, I don't really remember where everybody was at. I think there was plenty of people that uh, liked Hay and plenty of people that fucking hated him. I think uh, Big Tom was uh, a pretty big fan as far as I can remember. Um, but I was always really excited for the prospect of him turning pro. And then uh, he did. And, it, it, you know, like you said, I don't know <laughs> exactly what you're talking about when you say it was a myth. Uh you know, but uh, well, he was just this guy. I think your man Bert, Bert Ponte, wasn't it? He he hit he hit the nail on the head at that infamous Chisora uh, press conference where he turned up looking for a fight, uh, looking for Papa Vladimir again, 
or uh, Vitali this time or something, wasn't it? And um, but Bonte said to him, "Go away, David. You're a salesman." So I think yeah. he was a brilliant, a brilliant salesman, but not so great as a heavyweight. Remember, this is, this is this is this is the <laughs> yeah. guy who also fought Audley Harrison, a fraud. You know, and just yeah. fucking fight. You know, this this was this was Audley Harrison who fucking beat up Martin Rogan, Michael Sprott by this point, mm. Dominic Gwynn. So the biggest the thing is right. So he beats Derek Chisora. So he then like supposedly retires, comes back, fights Mark Demore, aces him in one round, then fights some fucking human password who was somehow undefeated. <laughs> you know, remember him? And then and then and then for the next two years now he's fucking he's fighting Tony Bellew, who just put up this contrived beef. You know, I forget which, who Bellew which was, was the same, for, which was the same stunt he pulled. With the Harrison pay per view because that was a contrived beef as well. To whatever yeah. on the make that night, like got, yeah. got it was so bad it got pay per view cancelled. I think he was a myth, man. Definitely, he was always a good salesman though. Even back at cruiserweight, do you remember whenever after he fought Fragamini, which was actually an excellent fight, he moved up to heavyweight to fight Thomas Bonin and said he couldn't make the weight anymore. And then he got the Mormick fight and he said, look, I definitely can't make the weight. But he knew that he was trying to lure Macronelli. He knew that he could knock Macronelli out. So he was trying to lure him in. And, Ma- and Frank side thought he's dead tight at the weight. And that gave them the opportunity to make the fight. And Hay made like a million plus on Satanta, didn't they? Oh, yeah. He's a sharp businessman for sure. Like, definitely a sharp businessman. But not even as sharp because he doesn't have to be that much of a genius to pull it off. People just bought into it. Like, you know, uh, the but fl- yeah, the fl- did you end up losing money as well to some sort of investment or whatever it was? Yeah, the missus might have skated. The <laughs> missus ah, was, was the, the investment. Aye, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That's an investment. I think she knocked him out in the first round, didn't she? Uh, <laughs> How do people like Rita Ora as a singer, by the way? In a totally unrelated note. She's a good singer, isn't she? Rita Ora. Like her. I prefer Rita from Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll give Hayes due... He was, I was never his biggest fan. I thought he was always on the take and he was always swizzing people, but he was a warrior in the ring. And the early cruiserweight fights, not so much the BBC, but the Sky ones, when he knocked out Gurov, Lassie Johansson, especially Fragamini, he did bring excitement to the table. Apart from against Ismail Abdul, but nobody looked good against him. Uh, Glenn Kelly as well, I know he was too small. The Carl Thompson fight, he was an exciting cruiserweight, but as a heavyweight, yeah, I don't think he ever... Don't think it ever really happened, and he wasn't afraid to pull out either. You know, against likes of Fury and that whole business with cutting off Vlad's head and saying he had a bad back because Satanta was about to go tits up. You know, and people saying he was a smart businessman because he pulled out of the Tyson Fury fight. I mean, that's like lending twenty pound off someone and not giving them back and saying you're a smart businessman, isn't it? And he fucked everybody <laughs> yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he pulled a lot of shit. I, I think one of my favorite uh, things with David Hay was the. The uh, Vitaly and Vladimir T-shirts with the with the head cut off, you know where he's he's holding it, holding it, standing on their dead fucking bodies. I mean that was all time great. I've never seen Vlad and Vitaly get so fucking angry about anything. They were fucking livid. I mean you could just see the piss dripping out of their eyes because of that fucking T-shirt. That was one of the best ones ever. I mean I think that's why I like the guy. Uh, my, Actually, myself, I fight. I thought it was going to happen. Sorry. I thought it was going to happen when Shannon the Cannon did the same thing to him, turned up and started pulling at his mane at the press conference and all that. I thought, oh no, the two of these are going to have a fucking fake beef fight of the century here, Shannon the Cannon versus David Hay. If that Bellew fight hadn't got made, that was what we were going to see next, guarantee you. He wanted, oh, he, he wanted Shannon so. to take the drugs test though, didn't he? Shannon the Cannon was like, 
Na kobie w dziurę tej He was he was fun to watch in the ring, but he was fucking WWE outside of it. I mean, that's a fucking promoter's dream. He 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 didn't need a promoter. He fucking did it himself. You know, always great. I I just I really enjoyed all the shit that was going on around him. But like I said, that fucking god damn that fucking shirt with the heads and seeing. Vladimir, uh, you know the face-off before their fight. They had one on HBO. I don't know if you guys caught it, uh, but I remember when it when it premiered on HBO. I, I, you know, of course, I was there to watch, and and uh, oh, he's so fucking furious. And I've never seen Vladimir be that, you know, uh, just short with his answers. And and he and was, he, he was almost angry. as furious as I was. He was almost as furious <laughs> as I was. For fucking shelling out for that fight when David yeah. hugged, hugged went, him to I death and then blamed his toe. I went to that fight and I got fucking oh, man, drenched. I feel bad for you. Jesus. I went to that because I was like, yeah. And then it's dial that and then they start blaming your wee toe and I'm fucking hunting about fucking Hamburg trying right. to get a train station at work, trying to get my train back to the fucking hotel at five in the morning, soaking to the fucking skin to the point I actually, for the first time in my life, I had to use a hairdryer to get the fucking. British hair clinic. Even Spencer. Even Spencer, mate. Fucking hell. Honestly, yeah. I, was, I was so pissed off with that, by the way. It took me, I couldn't be arse getting out of bed the next morning and stuff like that. I was that fucking frozen, but I had to get up and go and get something to eat. If it wasn't for the fact I was hungry, I'd just fucking lay there all day, you know. <laughs> Wanker. Right, but. Yeah, anybody uh, listening on YouTube, put it in the comments below. Favourite David Hay uh, memories, cruiserweight. Was he a myth at heavyweight? Give us a shout out, boys. Moving on with the questions. Rob, John Heaton threw one in on Patreon. Uh, with Tyson Fury's seven wanks a day claim, has the panel come across <laughs> a more dumbass way of selling a fight in the history of boxing? If you can't think of anything in response to that, then feel free to talk about Fury himself and his uh, wanking habits, Rob. Well, I think if that was the criteria for success at heavyweight, then a lot of our listeners would be in the top 10. Um, <laughs> not a lot of them, some of them. All he is, most of us are all right. Uh, and someone accused me of stealing Tyan Boots jokes again this week. Like, oh. asshole, we know Tyan Boots says him first, we're, we're making reference to him, right? Fucking have to explain this to you. I'm not trying to take the credit for him or anything. Okay, people know who Tyan Boots is. You're not fucking, you're hardly fucking Angela Lansbury there. Relax. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Fury, yeah, I don't know. I'm, inter- I'm really intrigued by this fight. Like, I'm really interested in it because there's so many variables. And the thing is about Fury, you just don't know. Like, you can't write him off. Every time he gets written off, he just does it. You know, I haven't been a fan of some of his antics lately, but maybe ditching Ben Davison is him getting serious now. Because I, I think he knows himself that, look, he didn't look himself. And I think Fury is the type of guy who doesn't look himself when he's comfortable. The minute he gets comfortable, he gets complacent. I was worried about him out there in Vegas, kind of living the life, you know, just the celebrity lifestyle, the book coming out, the Robbie Williams single. Thank fuck I never heard that. That must have came and went like without me even hearing it. But um, I just think that um, there's, a, there's a... I've been saying this for a couple of months. I think we, you know, we see closer to the fight. I think the amount of weight that he lost, I think he overdid it with losing the weight. And I know his dad was ranting and raving about that, but before his dad even said that, or I'd heard that he said it, I was thinking, has he done a Jones on his legs? Like, has he just taken off too much mass? 
and his legs are not there because he certainly didn't look himself against Big Otto. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Of course, I know Sugar Hill as well and Andy, who are in this corner now, um, spent a lot of time with Sugar Hill and, and Manny back in the days. Real good guy, real um, old school kind of in his approaches. Um Massive, massive knowledge on boxing, like just a just a mindful of knowledge on all kinds of different aspects, to, from training to sparring to everything. So he knows what he's doing. He's experienced. He's been over the course, of course, been in the, in there with in the mix with Vladimir alongside Manny all those years. So the big occasion is not going to phase him or whatever, um, and they're going to be prepared. It's it's going to come down to all of our decisions on our predictions on how this fight goes is just going to come down to one thing we know Fiori can school him does he get caught and if he gets caught this time can he get back up because those kind of shots fuck me like you don't get up now you can make the argument that you, we're all going to be wondering is that alright that was after a couple of sloppy performances and he's still a bit fat now he's actually in shape he's been fighting for a year he's been in camp for a year um, does he even get caught with that shot? Like, or does he go? Does he go out and completely dismantle Wilder? You know, I think Wilder can be knocked out too. I don't think Fury's that big of a puncher, but heavyweights, eight, nineteen stone, eighteen stone, it's seventeen stone. It's it's possible if he gets caught with a shot, he doesn't see. So, um, really interested in it. Couldn't tell you which way it's going to go. It's either going to go Fury um, dominates, uh, or Wilder catches him and KOs him. Rob, just picking up on something you said there, um, I think this is an original thought. I haven't heard anybody else mention it, even though I think that his dad was whispering in the ear regarding the Ben Davidson thing. I wonder mm. whether the moving to Sugar Hill and Detroit and the Cronk is another part of his sort of branding, self-promotional thing. You mentioned the book, the singing, blah, blah, blah. You know, here I am in Detroit. You know, the, the slickest white guy in the plan- in the gym. Burgundy shorts on, coming out the famous Cronk. Is it is it part of yeah. the branding exercise? I mean, I think he enjoys he enjoys the celebrity aspect of it, doesn't he? You know, he's overcome so much. He was hated. He was they were doing him on hate speech. It was the UCAT issues. It was everything, and now all of that's forgotten. Like he gets up off the floor against Wilder. He's a worldwide name now. That fight put him on a work. Everybody knew him beforehand in boxing circles. Everybody outside boxing circles knows him now. You know, WWF. He likes the legacy, doesn't he? He likes to add things onto his legacy. He seems to want to cram a lot in. So I hear him talking that he's got three fights left. And I also saw rumours that he's already signed he's to fight. He's white with any comments, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big time, yeah. But <laughs> but but I've also seen them rumours, and they're not true. I don't know if they're true or not, but that he's already signed to fight for the WWF world title against Brock Lesnar. Or, fight, or is that for a UFC? So he's already making moves on exit, and that's, that's slightly concerning for me. But again... It's not. It's not anybody else's Tyson Fury. So it's part, of, you know, organized chaos or whatever. It could be all part of his plan. Like he's, uh, you never really know what's going on with him. That's the. That's the behind the scenes. You can make assumptions or whatever and what might be going on. But really, Fury's the only one that knows what's going on. Like, and he seems to have a path laid out for himself, and he's just following it. Like, but um, yeah, I don't know if it's if it's branded, but I think everything he does at this stage is branded and PR. Everything like. Yeah, I'm just thinking about him coming out in the Cronk robe, Cronk colours, and it's like sort of boxing purist type of thing. And I don't know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. 
Uh, before we go on to belly of the weeks and Danny Garcia and out of here, Andy, any interest in this one over at the convention centre in Minnesota next weekend? Caleb Truax returning against David Basajamilvuli. Easy for me to say. Uh, he's a Ugandan prospect, 16-4-1. Looks like he's being bought in as fodder. Caleb Truax, he's had a few injuries. He's had a, a decent win over James DeGale, lost the rematch. He's 36 years of age. Big, strong, tough guy. I like him on Twitter. But again, he's 15 in the world on box rec. Maybe he'll get another run at glory at super middleweight. More than likely, Andy, uh, Heyman and the PBC will probably bring him in as an opponent at some point if he gets a win here against um, against the guy whose name I tried to pronounce earlier. <laughs> Aye, well, it's a Ugandan based in Kenya or whatever. And I see he got beaten off uh, that Ruslan Pfeiffer, yeah. uh, Floyd Mayweather gym in Russia and stuff. So, um, is he not a cruiserweight or or something? Is he? Ah, uh, well, did they redo their own uh, their own name there? No, no, you're right, Andy. So he's coming down to super middle, unless or maybe they're going to meet around the light heavyweight. You know, Truax isn't going to make weight or something. Aye, you had me doubt myself. Did I read that right? No, you're right. Um, yeah. Oh, that was that was Andy. That was two and a half years ago. That was two thousand and seventeen. I'm just noticing he hasn't he hasn't fought in two and a half years. This kid, fucking hell. Is he not? <laughs> no. So, we're, we're getting we're getting to the boat, but that's with minimal research. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. hell. That's right. Aye, he fought he fought a cruiserweight. What is true? Had, super middleweight. It took him this long. It took him this long to make the weight. You see, he's finally down <laughs> super middleweight after two Jeez. and a half years. Fair play. Oh. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm not going to comment on it, obviously. But why bringing this guy? I mean, I think the obvious fight to, 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 have, to have been made for Truax would have been a Quillen rematch, surely, because I think that fight that fight will end on a accidental clash of heads or something, or a, mm-hmm. or a bad cut that didn't go after. But then Quillen looked like shit, rounds. didn't he? Against didn't Quillen get knocked out by was it Angulo recently? Oh, has he, has he fought since then? Yeah, but then again, I, I mean, so, yeah. what the fuck's Truax no, been doing? Like, fight. Hmm? Right. So, now, you, you said was that the last? Was that the last time he fought? That's the last time Quillen fought. I guess both guys. I haven't seen uh, fucking Angulo on either. No. Mm, well, I, I just think that would probably be the, the, the even by loss. You would think that fight would you know you think would be the best one to get made in that because there's unfinished business there. But um, no, I'm more interested. I obviously would, would think that Truex is probably going to win it and that. But yeah, I'm. More, is this is this is this is actually got a TV slot as well. Not sure if he's got TV, Andy. To be honest, I don't, uh, no, maybe Fox sick. Sports One or something, possibly. But I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he's got TV now. Fucking wasting TV dates and shit like that, man. And that's another yeah, one I as well. Just probably segue into Danny Garcia and Ivan Redcatch. I mean, fucking prime time, showtime, you know, top in the bill. You know, Danny Garcia, who's clearly just trolling us by going out here saying that he's like he's a Hall of Fame fighter right now. Um, you know, there was there was a time actually he put some decent bodies on his record, you know, obviously he had the two fights with Morales, with Can Segway in the middle, he beat Kendall Holt, you know, had that fight with me, with Matisse, a lot of people actually kind of backed against him actually to lose that fight, you should have, should have took an L against Herrera, and that, but after that, it just went, it went right to shit, Rod Salka, you know, mm-hmm. coming up for lightweight, Lamont Peterson was was, was a close fight as well, um, Malad Nagy passed, passed his best, uh, Robert Guerrero, again, another one passed his best at that point, and then, you know, I think he just basically paid the price for fighting. You know, I suppose not so much below his level, but fighting these wash fighters because when he came up and fought the likes of Keith Furman, you know, who was supposedly in his prime, and then you know he struggled with with Sean Porter, but then if if he, he, he fights 
a washed up Brandon Rios in between that as well. And then he fights Adrian Granados, who, in all honesty, guys, is uh, he was never all that great anyway. So he's at this point, but it's Ivan Redcatch. I mean, you know, who, who's he fought recently? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Was he the one that beat Alexander? Who again, you know, stretch anything yes. aside and stuff. He's no, you know, his career over the last two three years hasn't been great either. Is it? Again, probably not one of these semi-retired fighters. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to say Garcia stops him. Um, but again, it's just like everything. I wish we Garcia and that. He, he could easily he could just sit on the jab and just pot shot his way. But his his career for me is just like a lot of PBC fighters and stuff who I just can't even ask with him. Leo Santa Cruz is another one. You know, they don't fight anybody. If they do fight anybody, it's always in-house. Or there's, it's usually then sprinkled with a couple of easy options before he fights, like it's a Thurman or Porto, it's Porto, eh, Porter and stuff like that. So that's uh, just it's again another one of these mirror mirage fucking careers for Danny Garcia, and it sounds bad to say it because he has, if you look at his record, he has got names on there. But then if you kind of dig into the you know the gut of it, I mean Morales was coming back off, God knows how long at the ring. You know, okay, he iced him in the in the in the in the second fight, but you know, the guy was like something like sixty fights deep in his career by that point. You know, can was can. He just he got greedy with the hand speed, left himself open, and he, and he got clipped again. He was probably, I think he was drawing the fight, but could easily been been losing that fight. Nate Campbell again, probably another one who's past his prime. Uh, Zab Judah, I'd probably say that you know it was a toughish fight, um, of sorts, and that was probably Judah's last big effort as well at that point. So. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a mere career for me, like. Yeah, just looking down the record, uh, down the uh, show card, actually, Jarrett Hurd returns against Francisco Santana. Could be fun for as long as it lasts. Patrick Harris, 18-0. I had a look at him earlier on YouTube. Wasn't really that impressed with what I saw. He looks a bit like Errol Spence, but he doesn't fight like him. Lacks that killer instinct. He's 18-0, Harris, super lightweight, and he's only boxing an eight-rounder against an 8-6-2 guy, Clay Burns. So they're taking it quite slowly with him. I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him, but he doesn't look the good so far from what I've seen. Uh, the opposite can be said of super bantamweight Stephen Fulton. Really impressed with that win over is it Avalar or Aguilar in his last fight. Both unbeaten prospects going in against each other. A superb body shot finish from Fulton. He's 17-0 going in, in against another unbeaten fighter. IBO title on the line, always a plus for me. Arnold Kegai, 16-0-1. I'm not sure where he's from, but Fulton should hopefully get the, the job done there. Danny Garcia in the main event, Gabe against Ivan Redcatch. MB in the chat says Danny Garcia and your Dennis Ugas should have fought each other. Instead, they are fighting on the same network one week apart. Should we have seen Garcia against Ugas possibly in this slot? Of course, Garcia was down to fight Errol Spence before Errol uh, went all Gran Turismo. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the end of the finish of that question. Uh, yeah, fucking, there's no reason not to. I mean, why the fuck are you fighting this uh, red cash whenever you could be fighting somebody that has a little bit more shine on their name? Look at Ugas. He's not going to get a decision if it's close. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, I mean, and he's a guy that has some good moments. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, whenever he's got the big moment in front of him, can't quite seem to get it all put together. I don't know why the fuck you wouldn't go for him. Uh, but you're fighting Red Cash. I mean, the guy with the Kodo tattoo. Jesus, fuck. What are you doing? You know, I, I'm just like Andy said. They fight whoever the fuck they want to fight. They they stay in-house. They refuse to fight anybody decent because they don't have to. You know he's going to get fucking overpaid for shit for this fight. 
um, <clears throat> Red Cash is going to make fifty bucks and Garcia is going to make two million. I uh, mean, I don't know. Uh, the the fucking whole thing with the PBC is they overpay, just like they were trying to get HBO to overpay, just like they were trying to get Showtime to overpay. Everyone's overpaying for these PBC fighters. Do I think it's great that they're getting paid? Yeah, shit. Fuck, it's good when anybody gets paid. It doesn't matter who they are. If it's the bum down the street getting the fucking lottery ticket winning or, you know, average Joe at the at the factory getting a raise, you know, it's good when people get paid. I'm for that kind of shit. But uh, not whenever it's at the expense of, of the sport. I mean, that's really what's happening. The, the fight is not a fight. The fight is a farce. It's bullshit. It shouldn't be happening. That's a perfect actual uh, – question that was asked because Ugas is a perfectly reputable fighter in line for moving up into contention for the welterweight titles. There's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't be. If Garcia had done anything worth getting another shot, uh, and this was just to stay busy until, until they fight in May, then that's perfect. But the fight that's not going to happen whenever, whenever Spence comes back, he's not going to go right into fight Danny Garcia Matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he fights him before the end of the year. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's fucking ridiculous. And and look, I'm a huge uh, supporter, have been, of Danny Garcia for a long while. Uh, as Andy said, whenever most people were back in Matisse to win that fight, I was back in Danny Garcia. I mean, um, he was in there with Khan. I said he was going to win. I knew that he could win. Uh, he was getting beat up early on. It wasn't looking great for him because he was getting picked apart, but he landed a big punch. You know, the point that I'm trying to make is I've supported him for a long time, but there's nothing you can support about this motherfucker now. It's just bullshit. It's just bullshit on top of bullshit. I think he is a Hall of Fame fighter, but the Hall is in his dad's house. Uh, <laughs> Matisse, <laughs> Matisse, know, Matisse was his... Yeah, come on, man. That fella's off the rocker, man. Do you remember when Zab Judah and all them confronted him at the Barclays? He said, bang it on the table. You want to kill me, motherfucker? Um, wacko. But um, fucking Danny Garcia's last good performance is Matisse's. I thought he yeah, dead right surprised everybody that night, myself included. I thought Matisse was going to beat him up. Um, but he hasn't been good for, for a long time. He had a couple of sketchy ones in there, Herrera as well. Um... Should have got the decision against him. Lamont Peterson arguably should have got a decision against him. He hasn't delivered. Like He's another one. He's another one out partying, fucking doing rap CDs and all. Give a fucking, give it a rest, man. Get in the gym. Like, do you know what I mean? But his clothing he's range, Rob. You'd be seen in those hoodies. You're not down with DSG, Steve. You don't rep the DSG hoodie. Um, he's a plonker, like, isn't he? Um, fucking Garcia. Who's that match by the way? He's probably fucking taking a lot out of the legs as well there. Like, oh, what man? Fucking, he's better being butter. He's he, he actually fostered or some tits as well, by the way. They look awful. Actually, fucking, oh. I'd say, fucking speaking of taking the leg, I'm surprised Eris Landy Lara lasted so long. You ever see fucking shoot? Lara's missing. He's doing, he's doing well sexually. Oh, oops. <laughs> that's well, a good one Rob well done I'm going to coin that write that down yeah, doing well be. sexually yeah that's good I'll yeah. keep that one <laughs> you claiming that one Rob oh you betcha copyright it <laughs> as, if, as if as well like fellas think we're fucking stand up comedians I'm not sitting there with a notebook asshole we're just fucking talking about fighting like what the fuck oh, can he beat some new jokes 
off. Dickhead. Uh, Rob, yeah, I was going to ask you briefly. Obviously, Errol Spence was supposed to be in the corner for this one. Regarding Spence, I was having to think about him during the week. Um, he's obviously going down a bad path, but we, we don't know how badly he's injured. Some people are saying, oh, he's not too yeah, bad. In Other the people car. are saying, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other people are saying, oh, he's really bad. What would you do with him when you bring him back, right? Would you put him in against a lower level of opposition? Or would you try and get him in and say, oh, he's fine, he's, there's no, nothing wrong with him, and stick him in like a high-profile fight and hope he does the business? Because if you put him in against someone who's a bit shit and he looks like someone who's been in a high-speed car crash then all of a sudden the Spence brand is pretty much dead they're not going to make the Pacquiao fights or anything like that but would you take a chance and say I'm going to fuck him in with Pacquiao or somebody right now and just take our chances and see how he looks I think they ha- I think they're going to have to have a mandatory if he comes back out they're not going to get a gimme like um, so He's been out of the ring in activity and stuff. I think he's going to have to defend his title, isn't he, against the top 10 guys. So, um, And I think knowing him, I'd say that's the route he's probably going to go. He would want to say, like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm re- if I'm ready to fight, I'm ready to fight at that level. I'm back to... So I think I don't think he's going to want to take a step in stone. Like, he has a lot of confidence in his ability. And as far as the Crawford thing, I don't think he doesn't want to fight either. I don't think it's him. Like, I just think that Heyman has laid out the plans that it's not going to be Bo Crawford next like um and he sticks to the script in all we trust but um i think he would take the crawford fight if he had it his way and i'm 50 50 on that fight if it's uh the top version of errol spence when he comes back um which all remains to be seen i don't know if he could be the same fighter after that if he is the same fighter he's mm. got to be classed as special because he is he is a very very good we, you know, we kind of lose sight of it when we're talking about his um his out of the ring activity which is more prevalent but He's a, he's a, he's some fighter like he's some fighter. Do you know what I mean, Rob? Say if they put him in against like Francisco Santana or Adrian Granados, and we're all sitting yeah. inside, and everyone's going shit. And he this kid's it, done, he man. Out, like, this kid, yeah, yeah. they can see literally money going down the toilet as he's throwing punches. Yeah, and that's why I don't think that's going to happen. I think you know they need ROI on on Errol, like, and if he can survive getting fucked out of the car, they're going to fuck him back in the ring and see what's a few punches to you, man. You fucking survive the fucking, you're like a fucking movie star, man. You're an action hero. Get in there, like. So I get. To, I think you're going to see him against someone reputable when he got, when he does come back. The fucking guy's back in the club last week, fucking dancing with the retard. <laughs> <laughs> but he got an Uber this time. Joke is on I you. He got an Uber this aye, time. Aye. <laughs> Fighting the driver to try and drive it home. Let me in the front. His video. He was ringing out his top, and he obviously been out for a run or whatever it was, and he's trying to ringing out his top. This guy says, "I bet that is fucking vodka. It's getting rinsed out of that jumper." Yeah. All the all the ants dropped out of fucking alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> all the rats hanging around behind him. No, uh, Tosh in the chat says surely Spence can't be a hundred percent after that shit, and I completely agree. But there's a sliding scale, you know, where a hundred percent is. He's right back at where he was where when he fought Sean Porter. Obviously, none of us think he's going to be there. And then there's right down to running around looking like I don't know, friggin' Prince Patel or something, or or Nate Campbell would look now if he got in the ring. You know, there's there's a sliding scale of injury Andy you know, how, how he's going to look well there's that as well but the, the, the other matter as well mate obviously he's got the belt and that welterweight but it's, it's the weight you know he's, he's always going on about well he did after the last fight saying look he had to dump 25 pounds he, he kind of keep doing that you know and then he's fucking out in the club getting pissed whatever else he's taking he gets ejected out, out of a seat of a car um, you know it's just his it's lifestyle choices you know at the end of the day as well we, we say who's it we mentioned last week um, you know, blowing up weight, 
Hatton did it. Um, who was the fighter I mentioned last week? It was doing Javonte it. Davis, no? Javonte Davis, that's who it was. Mm. You know, there's only so long you can guys can get away with it. And I think Spence is far more talented than what, uh, what they guys are. So obviously, you expect them to kind of do, do better than that when, when he dumps the weight and he's maybe struggling in that. But again, I'm a big believer that if, if, you, if you don't maintain it, you know, if you're if you really like maybe like, say, five, ten pounds max off your fighting weight, then you're seriously having fucking problems. You know, Duran did it. You know, who else did it? Jake Lamotta was big for like dumping huge amount of weight. You've seen UFC fighters. Apart, I read something a few years ago about them dumping something like thirty pounds and over a 24, 48 hour period. That's fucking insane. You know, so we'll wait and see. But I, I still maintain that the body remembers what you put it through, and that is a. You know, I mean, think about it. As I said, I said it before. Think about it. You commit the car at one hundred and fifty mile an hour. There's just there's, there's got to be something. There's got to be, you know, either you know, either slight brain damage, concussion, you know, maybe a slight fracture here and there, severe bruising that goes right through the bone and that. And I'll be interested as well to see who he actually fights. You know, maybe get maybe get my non-title fight, maybe like a, a catchweight, like kind of high one forties above and stuff. But no, as I say, you know, Crawford's obviously the fight, but we need to see him back in the ring to you know, make some sort of judgment to see, you know, what's he got left. Because what is he know, he's just turned 30 there. You know, with his lifestyle, his attitude to, like, say, living up life and that, his, his, prime's, his prime's a short window. I, mean, I don't care how talented you are, that shit's going to catch up with you in the end. Yeah, I'm sure I read or heard somewhere that the IBF were creating some kind of an interim to sort out the position, which is not something they would tend to do. The WBA would have had about 14 belts created already if it had been a WBA champion, but the IBF missing a trick. I think they are starting to introduce some kind of regular belt or interim belt to try and deal with this situation, but it will be interesting to see who he fights, when he fights, where he fights, all these different things, and what kind of condition he's in. doesn't look like he's in a great condition to me. The boys are in good condition here. If there's anything in the chat that we haven't talked about and you want us to get onto before the end of the evening, throw it in now. I'll pick it up after Belly of the Weeks. You are listening to episode 356. Andy's with us, Rob's here, Gabe's with us. Hardcore's hardcore on tonight's Belly of the Weeks. Let's get stuck straight into them, shall we? Got this thrown in earlier on. Could be a strong front runner as well. We mentioned it earlier. Spencer Oliver, Dean Glover, made me aware of this. Loving the new barn, it says Spencer. <laughs> Big thank you to the British Hair Clinic, Andy, for their amazing service. Hashtag best in the business. The question is, Andy, when are they going to approach me and you two fellas with not a great deal of hair and we're going to be rocking those British Hair Clinic uh, do's? Mate, I've, had, I've not had hair for the best part of 20 years so I ain't giving a fuck how I look with hair. So you know, I don't want it approached. I'll endorse the product if they're going to pay me for it and that, but I ain't doing it. I mean, think about it. You get your, get your head probably injected with the fucking fibre. What the fuck, man? Who wants to go through that shit? You know, you, you see, if you've got a bit of cash in hip, Lee Griffiths has done it. Um, Spencer Lovers have done it. you got Connor Ben with some cry for help getting it injected into his fucking face. <laughs> You know, it's just how come? How come Rudy have more money than all them, and his hair transplant was the worst of them all? Like, he looked like <laughs> yeah, the fucking still was bald. Chris, he was running around. Chris Boyd, Wayne Boyd. Yeah. Boyd oh, who was your man? Um, Glenn, Glenn Boyd, Murray from Brighton. Well. Glenn Murray. <laughs> Griffiths. Griffiths, I can understand, man. He had a strand of fucking hair. He oh, his was terrible. Hair, like, he had a Bobby and, Charlton, Rob. He had a comb yeah. over. <laughs> so, like, he needed he needed a fucking a bit of fucking uh, landscaping there. Lee Griffiths. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But like fucking, I don't know like if it's made much of a di- no disrespect to Spencer. I don't know if it's made that much of a difference, man. You got through all that shit like you <laughs> like Spencer to me. I like. know. You just got the same hair, dude. I mean, just look at that. <laughs> just fucking look at that. <laughs> Hashtag best in the business. I mean, fucking hell. The prettiest haircut. Look at this. Don't rule him out. Don't do anything hasty. You know what I mean. Uh, you might have to go to a midlife crisis. Imagine Patterson just turning up at work one day with a fucking full uh, head of hair. Like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like a screech, had to say it by the bell. <laughs> Hold on, we we haven't got Wellings input. What's the crack, Wellings? Are you are you going for this or what? There's a few on the panel, isn't it? This fucking could get this. Like, yeah. you, are you going to fucking step forward? Yeah, get in touch, man. The British head, head of boxing yeah. asylum. Absolutely. Well, Lee the Alcoholic Fudge says that George Groves' transplant looks shocking, and I've yeah, obviously been broke, often been like, likened like to George Groves, so, yeah. I'll jump in there, no problem. Now, Lee Griffiths was the worst. When he was playing for Wolves, he had a comb over that bad, and he was only 25. It's like, you know, the uh, photos of your dad back from 1987. It was like one of them comb-overs. You see that idiot new, by the way. Fucking hell, man. I forget. Do you know what? And even on a young fella, I'd kind of be more forgiving of it. I'd be like, all right, man, go ahead and have your time with hair, like... But, but fucking these fucking fellas like fucking 50 years of age are going to decide to get hair now like what's now like it's too late now pal do you know what I mean I Dr. Know, Phil coming out like, with a transplant I, don't, I, know, I know it's no strictly hair here right but I remember what listening to the story when uh, Paul Gascoigne when he was at Rangers when he got his teeth fixed right and he's just he's getting ready to go to training the next day when he gets his teeth all white and they're all straight and stuff like that and uh, Gaz is just getting ready to leave the house and he's dash out to him and says Paul Paul He's like, what is it, Dad? He says, all the best. <laughs> he could chew an apple through a letterbox with his fucking teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, oh. And then he got, like you said, Charlie Adam, for example. Fucking hell, man. He's got, he's got a set of teeth like a row of condemned houses, man. Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, man, Charlie Adam teeth. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking oh, he, fucking he looks about 60 though, don't he? He had a rough paper. The young fella came in, right? And the young fella came in, he had the like, Rolex and all. He definitely had the veneers and all, right? And it was pissing rain outside, and this fella's golden brown, like, right? And I'm looking at him, like, and he's in a pair of shorts and all, like, it's pissing rain, like. I'm like, what's the crack with this lad? Like, he was coming in to get his eyebrows treaded after being on the sunbed, and all his friends were congratulating him. They were all like, you're on the bed, man, yeah, cool, man, bro, bro, bro. That's the way they all are. On the like, bed? So you can make sexuals nowadays, eh? The fucking, I don't know. What the f- I was thinking, if that was my mate, man, we'd have come in, and one of them had come in after getting off the sunbed. Like, he wouldn't have got out of that barber's up. Like, we would have been fucking destroying him. But no, the boys were congratulating each other and high-fiving each other, whatever, chest bumping. And, uh, yeah, that's the, way, that's the way it is now. But over a sunbed? Chest yeah. bumping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulate each other. That's a real achievement. Um, and uh, yeah, so fucking hell, man. That's the fuck. But like, that, like I said again, young chaps, like, not fucking Spencer. Like, what's he at? Like, fucking hell. Spencer's fi- he must be fucking 50 now, Spencer. Definitely. Oh, 50, 50 so, plus, yeah. he's got to be. Fuck's well, He's got his hair done from the British Hair Clinic. Uh, nomination coming in here, Andy. For you, from Tez six eight six eight five four four five, his real surname. Uh-huh. A late belly, late belly of the week or belly of the month for Andy's pathetic rant on Chavez Junior a few weeks ago. It was that good, Andy. I can't even remember it. What's this all about? I can't remember what it was all about either, mate. Um, if it was basically breaking down the fact as that he's been in a privileged position uh, after his dad's fucking fought him out the fucking gutter, 
you know, to give him a privileged lifestyle and that, and then he wants to fucking, you know, I don't know what he was talking about actually, but it's, it's another one of these bots. Now, funnily enough, he comes in, he's just created his account in January, and he's used to, he gave the obligatory, uh, like six or seven letters, uh, numbers after his fucking name and stuff. And it's like, when was that podcast anyway? When was that? Six it would have been ago. Danny Jacobs' fight, wouldn't it? So it would have been uh, December, I think. Ah, but they were the one before Christmas time, actually, aye. Mm-hmm. So, uh, aye. So, uh, well, pick me up for it if you want, but I can't mind what it was all about anyway myself. I probably just shot on him because he's, he's fucking, he's a bum, basically. Jason's in the chat talking about Spencer Fearon. It's not Fearon, Jason, it's Spencer Oliver who's got his hair done, but maybe Spencer Fearon could turn up in the British Hair Clinic yet, who knows? Maybe with an Adama Traore, uh, but no, it's not Spencer Fearon, it's Spencer Oliver who's had his hair done by the British Hair Clinic. Uh, Smiggers Titties. definitely on the roids, man. Absolute legend, that guy. Uh, Smiggers. <laughs> we haven't played that yet, let's get that played now, shall we? There we go. Uh, Smigs hairy titties. I did one last num- week. I did one last week, and then you had just done it beforehand. It was like you called it. Like fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You called it lovely. Uh-huh. You're getting good at this, Roberto. Rumble fucking still skin. <laughs> Must dig that one out. Yeah, Smigs hairy titties has nominated Julian Williams for saying, "I plan on peeling his banana tomorrow night." And of course, that's the nickname of Jason Rosario. Calls himself Banana. But, you know, Shit. <laughs> when trash talking goes wrong, I'm going to pick your banana, baby. <laughs> Yusuf in the changing rooms. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Abner Morris. Waiting for, wait for, wait for someone to say that to Kelbrook. <laughs> oh, we have I'm a Kelbrook nominee. Remember, I mean, I can fucking out him as like he was some sort of gay boy in that. That was one of the, the most elite interviews I've ever what seen. He, what was he at that day? Like, <laughs> some, he said he stabbed some poor fella in the leg. Just come out, the leg come out, come out to some poor man. He said something like that. She, fucking hell, I can't. She, she, she can't achieve anything else in life, by the way. He's always got that interview. He's always got that fucking clip. Oh, just fucking that was high level trolling, wasn't it? Like, brilliant. <laughs> that was probably that was his best clip since the Skype one. It was the one where he says, he says Look, if you're gay, you're gay, just come out and say it. Just come out, just, you know, just be honest with yourself. Like, be a man, be a man, he said. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, um, see, t- see when Can gets caught in shit like that, man, at least he owns it. Yeah, you know, he fucking accepts it and stuff like that. <laughs> he did a brilliant yeah. one about Bruce Jenner one time, didn't he? He was like, you know, I explained to him that I didn't mean to offend him. <laughs> he was after, <laughs> after calling him again like three times in a row. Fucking brilliant. Talking to people who might be coming out soon, Abner Mares has been rocking a new hairdo. Matthew Skelton's nominated him for that. Going for the full rock star look. Uh, just up for that stick, Bellew of the Week. Uh, Toby has been having a bit of beef with Avion Paulio. Uh, Paulio was responding to a Boxing Kingdom clip that said boxers we believe Conor McGregor would beat in the ring he then lists Brooke Kovalev uh, Pacquiao Javonta Davis it's a trolling account isn't it but anyway Avon Paulio jumped in he was beating Floyd before he fatigued too I feel like with the correct camp and a bit more time we would have witnessed Pretty Boy's O turning to one hashtag McGregor Toby jumped in and nominated him for that one uh, Sky Sports said fancy a run go on then January fitness regimes aren't for everyone who's this guy on the left in the snazzy tracksuit it was a course eddie himself james bairstow shout out to stoey 83 nominated him for that uh, smiggers titties alerted us to the mythical eric spring boxing live on fox sports earlier on 
in the evening last night. Uh, Greg Cross, belly of the week for the ship reporter at the Wilder Fury 2 press conference, who asked Wilder if he had an edge over Fury, as Fury has never had a rematch. Fury clowns him by telling him to get his facts straight, mush. Uh, D-Dog nominated Prince Patel. Happy birthday to my mom, says the Prince. He's there with no top on. Uh, she's very proud of me, African champion, and how incredibly handsome I am. I will bring a major world title for her next birthday. Okay then. Uh, Irishboxing.com, let's bring some logic to the table and look for what's possible for Conor McGregor in the in boxing without the hype, overreaction and instant criticism. Basically, we explore whether or not Conor McGregor could win a world title. Harold Anand has nominated Irishboxing.com for that. I must get Joe O'Neill back on the call actually at some point. And also... Uh, Frankie Gavin, any of you guys see this? I'm sure you did. Ex-amateur world champion Frankie Gavin has turned up looking a little bit worse for wear, a little bit (laughs) overweight, too much beans on toast, and he's going, this should end well, over to BKB. So a bit of bare knuckle boxing for the big lad. You see see that fucking idiot, by the way? Honest to God, did you see the state of him? He was that fat. It looked like the fat was oozing out his pores, man. He looks ill. And he he looks greasy and disheveled, man. I mean... You're a fucking bum, you're a fucking asshole. I mean, bare knuckle boxing, I mean, there was, there was a time when this guy was really had it all, but again, it's, been a, it's just a, a sad case of Britain, man. It's just, you know, a sad tale of, you know, talented fighters not working hard enough. I mean, think about it. You know, Broner as well, for example, talented fighters who just didn't put the graft in, didn't keep the weight down, and you become... Just basically a caricature, really. And but Gavin's just went. He's just like you know. You know he's like that. Remember, you used to fancy the the, the school teacher. You used to go home and wank every night and stuff like that. Then you bump into them like maybe ten years later, and she hasn't aged well whatsoever. And you think to yourself, why the fuck did I wank at her? By the way, <laughs> oh, this 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 is like one of these. This is like one of these. By the way, you know, oh. absolute. Oh, that's a <laughs> So true. That's a belter. Oh dear. But people forget, Andy. You look at Billy Joe Saunders now, you look at um, James DeGale, but whenever Frankie Gavin f- missed weight at the Worlds, and obviously he missed the Olympics, or I can't remember what the situation was, back in 2008, he was the one who turned pro as like the great British hope. He was the ultra talent who was going to be the next big multi weight world champion. I mean, you can't overstate how much his demise has been in, in pro boxing. Oh, that's incredible, mate. I mean, was it 2000? I think it was the. What Olympics was it now? I think it was seen on the same team as James DeGale. 2008, DeGale's. yeah. Beijing, aye, yeah. Aye, Beijing, aye. Aye, so aye, he didn't even make the first, the first fight because he couldn't even make the weight. I think he, he, he tried to take Kerry Kays over with him as well and uh, the British authorities refused him. So he ended up That's right, he won, he won the Worlds and he couldn't make weight at the Olympics. That's that was it, it, wasn't it? That's yeah. it. But then, I, I forget who his trainer was. I don't know if it was Arnie at the time and stuff like that. So, so you get him in the gym and you think to yourself, this guy's just no fucking losing weight. What the fuck is going on here? And he's putting up pictures of himself like, getting Domino's pizzas. And rather than like, eating what he should be eating, like fish and some chicken and that, that fucking fat bastard's eating beans on toast. Fucking beans on toast, for fuck's sake. You know, that's, that's what us mortals eat. No fucking professional athletes. He just, he just couldn't, he just could he just played it basically, and that's probably wrong to say maybe because he was the next British champion or whatever and that, but he did, he just, he just fucked about, took his talent for fucking, for granted, think it would be enough just to get him through it, I mean, they cut, what was the Curtis Woodhouse situation, it was a split decision there, he took him to the fucking depths of hell, Curtis That Woodhouse was the was night, next, wasn't he? That was the night, Andy, when you thought, this kid's not going to make it, definitely, no. I mean, he'd had bad performances, but that was the night, yeah. He, he fought at welterweight for the best part of his career, maybe light welter, but that was a guy who really 
with proper discipline and diet education, she had been campaigning as a lightweight for a good number lightweight. of years, and then he finished his career around about 140. No, look at him now, man. He's like, he's like fucking two bills now, man. He's like fucking 200 pounds now, the fucking fat bastard. Absolute state. And what yeah, is he, 34? Even early 30s, that man. It looks like he's fucking aged, yeah. like pushing. He's fucking torn 33, but looks like him now, man. He's fucking like 43. <laughs> fat fuck. <laughs> Uh, I'll come back to you for nominations shortly. That's all the ones I've got. Gabe, do you have any nominations this week? And before you mention them, Gabe, have you ever eaten beans on toast? Is that, is that a staple of the te- of the Texas diet? Never. I, I think uh, maybe in one of those interviews that I or wherever it was, he maybe he was talking about it, and uh, I had to ask somebody, one of the pod folks, or maybe someone from the site back in the day, what the fuck beans on toast is. Uh, <laughs> Just because I've never heard of it, like, like literal. Because my mind, the first thing that pops in my head is, uh, like, uh, yeah, it just sounds fucking awful. Beans on toast. Who the fuck eats that? Okay, I, I get it though. That's y'all's thing. Go ahead, go for it. Whatever you do. Uh, no, nobody eats fucking beans on toast. Even fat people don't eat beans on toast. So, uh, <laughs> the fucking Gavin does. <laughs> He's probably the motherfucking only one. Um, but uh, that aside. Uh, no, nobody uses the week from me. I think there's plenty that probably are better than anything I saw. Any nominations, Andy, from you? Um, oh, there was one that's in right out of my head. Actually, I need to maybe go back on the chat see if I can get a wee, a wee reminder. Who was it? It was somebody. Um, oh, I wish I fucking. Do you want to go and have a look while I bring Robin? Do you want to go and have a look while I bring Robin? Yeah. Okay. Aye. And if you, Rob, Hugh Frontrunners, obviously Frankie Gavin, Spencer Oliver as well for the British Hair Clinic Escapades, Julian Williams for planning on peeling a few bananas backstage. Any nominations <laughs> from you, Rob? <laughs> That's a good one. Like, um, yeah, um, twofold. Conor McGregor for saying that he would win, he's going to return to boxing and he will win a version of a world title. Um, and he's going to do it in one fight, apparently, as well. So, um fucking lining up that Pacquiao fight out of like I don't know um, but he's not going to win a world title like you know he's Mr. Nice Guy now but Floyd the gift that keeps on giving Mayweather in retirement couldn't wait to get on the steal the limelight like he always does against his ex-opponents anytime they have an event coming Floyd has an event coming so after McGregor knocked out Cerrone in the UFC Floyd went to Instagram to announce two fights for 2020 Floyd versus Khabib Nurmagomedov and Floyd versus uh, McGregor too. And then they asked McGregor in the dressing room afterwards, and McGregor said, I don't know what he's talking about. I never heard anything about this. And uh, and they were saying, he's just trying to get your attention. And, and McGregor said, well, what kind of underwear is he wearing? Um, so, and the, and the posters look like they've been done on fucking Microsoft Paint as well. Uh, but he had like... <laughs> He had like Showtime, the money team, the UFC, all tagged it, all like fucking on the flyer, like, and tagged in the boys, like. So, yeah, it's going down 2020. Floyd uh, McGregor 2, the rematch this time is personal. Uh, we're all fucking the fight, we're all clamoring to see, like. So, um, Rob, Rob, I'm no but, expert on this, right? But he must have, he knocked out this Cerrone chap last night. Is, is Floyd, are they talking about Floyd fighting this Khabib? In boxing or in uh, of course, uh, like yeah, f- yeah, don't think fucking Floyd's going to the well, UFC. Well, that's what I was wondering. That guy's an animal. 
Oh. He's not going fucking into the US. Them fights are no fucking chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Floyd, just Floyd being Floyd. Like, you know what I mean? If there's not an iPhone to hack or double glazing to sell, he's off trolling <laughs> his ex opponents every time they have oh, a fight. Not to read. Exactly. Crying like a little bitch. Uh, there's a few nominations flying in, boys. Uh, Lee the Alcoholic Frotch says, hold on a minute, there's a hands-down winner for this week. There seems to be something that I have overlooked. I'm waiting for Lee the Alcoholic Frotch to enlighten me. Is maybe something was that we've, we've was overlooked, it, Andy? Was it you, Cad, for uh, you know, saying that the Liam Cameron drug test situation, a four-year ban, is like comparing apples to oranges with uh, dealing with steroids getting caught? So she's, she's just basically, like we'll say, like, the apples is cocaine. And the pears as the steroids, you know, how's that fucking comparable? So we'll put UCAD up. What was that woman's name again? Anybody in the chat got sure. that name of that female who gave that, that comment out? I'm not sure, but he's thrown us back, Andy, and it's something I wasn't even aware of. Tyson fucking Fury for saying McGregor's agreed to train him to fight in the UFC, and McGregor's never even met him. So that's what the right. alcoholic fuck is. Th- I didn't even know about that, so. I'm just going to discard that, Lee, that, that shit. I'm joking. <laughs> no, he was ringside. He was ringside at the fight last night. In Fury was. Yeah, yeah. He was at the. I'm going to. Oh well, just bust the fuck out so we can quit fucking around. On the game. Just get on there. Just get on there. Fucking box and be great at it. Or shut up. Quit with this fucking MMA WWF bullshit. Just fucking. Okay, boy. I'm. I thought it was the Errol Spence and the yeah. club. Dancing like oh, a yeah. mong, you know. <laughs> he was out, apparently he was, he was out celebrating his birthday by all accounts and stuff. But you know, people are like, "Oh, leave him alone!" You know, he's only he's, he's a young laddie. You know, let him enjoy himself. He's just had a near-death experience. I said, "Well, you think that would fucking make him buck himself up?" He's thirty year old, still going to fucking nightclubs. He's a dad for fuck's sake, right? <laughs> and if, everything, every, everything I'm seeing about him by the minute, just the occasions you've seen him, it all points to me. At, to that guy having a fucking drink problem, and he's <laughs> problems with alcohol. You know, as a professional athlete, it's, it's not going to end well. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, I'm 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 getting I'm two plus two and getting four here by the way. So I'm doing my calculations properly. You know, he comes out the club, flips the car, he's back in the club partying again and stuff like dancing like somebody on fucking jellies or something like that. You know, it's just dude, somebody needs an intervention. Just you know, you're you're thirty year old, stop going to nightclubs, throwing cash about. With hookers like uh, strip on the stage, just grow the fuck up. Leave Mark Boxio in, in the chat says people always think Errol is drunk. He always sounded slurred to me. Don't think he's the sharpest tool in the box. To be fair, perhaps he is a good fighter because he's got that Mongo strength. <laughs> what a thing to say! Okay, <laughs> <hell>. <laughs> oh my god, Errol Spence. Evil Spence combination for three five six. Mark Boxio in the chat said that. <laughs> that. That might have been the best thing all weekend that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Mad bastards. Right, come on then, boys. Who are we going for? I'm split between Spencer, Spencer Oliver and Frankie Gavin. You going for Spencer? I'm going for Frankie Gavin. I think Andy. You go oh, one, one of each. You could be thinking there again, Frankie Gavin, man. <laughs> What a fucking look at the mess. state of him, man! Come on, he needs a title, <laughs> Andy. He needs he needs a title. Oh, uh, well, I'll keep my title, fat bastard. That's what I'll give him. Title, <laughs> fucking belly of the week, man. Oh, right. fuck's and, sake! Andy's gone for we'll Spencer. Get, we'll get uh, are you going for Frankie as well? Then yeah. We'll, 
go for okay. Frankie. Yeah. We need to get a clear winner this week. Frankie needs needs a wee bit of a boost. You know, yeah. you, know you know what happens. People get this this way and that they start eating too much and they get depressed and that. So you know, we need to give him something to kind of like lighten the mood a little bit here. You know, fucking Let's raise him up. Stay on, man. If anyone can raise his spirits, Robert's us. Who are you going for this week? Um, yeah, I, gonna, spirits, I, I, I was going to go for fucking Tony Williams saying that he was going to peel his banana. <laughs> oh, that was good, like, uh, but yeah, we give it to Frankie. So fun time, Frankie, for the crack. And he's going into Best the world BKB now, so we could get a title. <sighs> yeah. He's going to get his head boxed in, isn't he? What do you think then, Gabe? Three have gone for Frankie yeah, Gavin. Got, of... Frankie has yeah. to be the winner for me. Uh, you know, I remember when Tom back in the day had this guy. He loved him, which I suppose a fair amount of people do. But just to see how far he's not come has been tremendous. Uh, Frankie for the win. There we go. Four for fun time Frankie. He'll be crying into his beans on toast no more. We're giving him the Bellew of the Week Award for episode 356. And that, gentlemen, unless there's any pressing information, is where we shall leave it. We'll be back with you next week for episode 357. Hopefully scare up a few bodies, a few faces, a few voices that you haven't heard in a while. Maybe Donny, hey to Dave, who knows, who could come out of the closet. Maybe one of the lads, Andy, will get them on, perhaps, who knows. Yeah, people saying, oh, it's great, it's great we've not got Dave on because he doesn't watch fights and stuff like that. But I'll tell you one thing, boys, seeing you fucking doing this podcast, you need fresh voices, you need the boys on the podcast because, trust me in this... You know, done it for long enough to know when it's fucking. You know, it can be heavy gone. It's the same voices, something kind of keep going and stuff like that. So, you know, once you're doing your own shit, you'll kind of understand as to how hard that is and how much we actually appreciate these guys coming on and stuff. Because, uh, you know, you want to hear for them a few time to time and that as well. So, plus, I think Hater's working these days as well. He's not working Sundays at the minute. Donny's doing anal and you know, being a corrupt counsellor. Um, Tommy's Tommy's Tommy in the room, man. He's he's out in anal. London now. Uh, Kurtz in Romania so he's trying to get a wee oh, I'll leave that one I'll put that one to the, to the side Tommy's, to Tommy's looking for one of those uh, outfits that the fella had on ESPN was in well, while you're in the box he's trying to buy one of them on eBay <laughs> yep just finishing up then boys thanks to everybody who's come on tonight no problem aims at all we'll get you on again another time thanks to rapping Rob Kelly Andy Patterson Gabe Lewis I've been Steve Wellings we'll catch you all again same time, same place next week. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.